Hey, this is Jacob and Shane of Thunderwolf Podcast. A quick message before you begin this episode. Some things have changed since we recorded and released it. So at the end of this episode, disregard. We're no longer part of Magic Squirrel Network, and our new link to merchandise is teespring.com slash awoo. That's teespring.com slash A-A-W-O-O. So enjoy. Welcome to Thunderwolf Podcast. I still hear your voice when you sleep next to me. I still feel your touch in my dreams. Forgive me my weakness, but I don't know why. Without you, it's hard to survive. You remember that song? No. Oh, I loved it. Thank We're you. here in the spare bedroom <laughs> studio after a week of nothing, but we are back. <laughs> our producer Kerrigan is with us, ready to be our slave, pull up articles on whatever we want. I'm Jacob. Shane's here. What's up? And today's guest, someone who's been indirectly mentioned here before, uh, someone I've wanted to talk with for a bit, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest green thumb bang bang man around. <laughs> that means farmer and gun enthusiast. <laughs> Cade Coger. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely, dude. Thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. Today's show, we're going to get into some risky business and talk farming 2019. Maybe some gun talk, maybe some Brazilian jiu-jitsu, politics. I don't know. We'll see where we get in that. But, uh, yeah, thanks again, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah. You said on your way over, uh, you, you did a, a country drive. You said you like to kind of explore the area. Yeah. Right? I call it a crop tour. Crop so tour? Any any uh, excuse I have to get out and drive around, just see how things are going. Yeah. Not only my stuff that I've got planted, but everyone around me, neighbors and as far as down here, you know, yeah. Um, I know my dad's in Del Hollow this weekend, and he drove all the way to Tennessee. So I'm sure the whole way down there, he was just gauging how, how everything's affected them too. Yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah. Which, which is, I had a lot of questions, and and I know we mentioned it on one of the episodes. Uh, I, I don't remember which one, but we were getting into uh, the farming, mm -hmm. and I've been hearing about it. I've been seeing articles, articles you've shared. Uh, Greg from the studio, he's talked about, and what I understand, this is not a good time for farmers or b basically anyone else. Basically anyone that works outside. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> eats food. Or eats, guess. yeah. <laughs> or the animals. Or, it yeah. might not work out pretty good here for too long. So what what did you see on your, your country tour around here, your crop tour? A lot of stuff not planted. Yeah. Um, everything very young. Um, if it is planted, a lot of it's underwater. Um, just, just a lot of stress out there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What... This has been from the rain because mm -hmm. this is, uh, I think I read a Washington post about it, but this has been the wettest 12 months. I think from May of 2018 to April, 2019, wettest 12 months on record. Yeah. Uh, I know that a lot of people have been talking about like global warming. I mean, that's, it's even more in talks now, mm -hmm. but I feel like more people are even backing away from it despite the changes. Do you think that has anything is that what it is? Sure. Is change uh, yeah. Just climate change as a whole, yeah. I think it's something we're always going to be dealing with. It's something that's always happened. And it's something that's always going to be. Right. So it's just another 
you just it's just adversity. Yeah, you just got to overcome it. And you know, luckily we have a lot of modern technology that helps us yeah. deal, deal with things like that. And um, it's just kind of one of them years. It's just everything bad happened all at once. Yeah. So can you can you talk to me a little bit about this season about mm-hmm. the, the what happened in farming twenty nineteen? So you know, typically you hope for perfect conditions. You hope for rain when you need it. Yeah. You know, dry conditions when you need it. Um, getting soil prepared, getting fertilizer applied before you plant, um, getting things sprayed and burned down, getting the weeds off of everything. I'm sure everybody noticed all the yellow fields of of mustard, goldenrod, and things. Yeah. Um, you know, getting stuff like that taken care of and prepared before planting. Um, that was a struggle. I mean, it, it really it's been a struggle all the way till last fall. We didn't get a lot of, of tillage done in the fall. Still because of the rain. Still because of the rain. Yeah. So it's so two seasons. It just kind of rolled over into spring season, and we had that much more work to do. And yeah. still, the rain just never gave up. And and really, until here recently, the totals for rain hasn't been like astronomically high. It's just been um, the time period that it's rained. So like right now, we're at a point where, at least where I live, it's almost dry enough to get some things in the field. Yeah. But today at five o'clock, it's supposed to storm again. And then it'll, yeah, it'll knock us out until at least halfway through this week. Just resets everything. Yeah. Did you post, I think it was yours. I, it may have been on Facebook mm-hmm. of, of your tractors. I think it was kind of in the mud. It wasn't buried. That was someone else. I, yeah. I, I, I found a picture on Twitter. Was it the combines? I think so. I found a picture on Twitter. Um, there's a huge, it sounds kind of funny, but there's a huge like ag following on Twitter. Yeah. And I follow a lot of guys from all over the country, even all over the world, just to kind of keep in touch with what's going on. And uh, a guy I know in Kansas shared a picture and they, they operate a harvesting ring. So all they do is own combines and they go around and they get hired for harvesting crops. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they were, so they were uh, cutting wheat in Kansas and uh, they had four combines stuck in the same field close enough to take a picture and get all four in the same picture. (laughs) All four just (laughs) stuck in the field. How do you, how do you get that out? Like what happened? Do you wait till it dries? I mean, yeah, really pull it right. If it's that wet, kind of, hopefully you've got a big four wheel drive tractor. You can get in there and pull (laughs) them out, but it's just, that's just operator error. I mean, I think, I think if I was the guy in the combine and I saw three other combines stuck next to me, I don't think I'd try it. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Don't risk it, but it, it's kind of putting it at that, crunch time i guess yeah you have to try mm-hmm. it when you can yeah and so they may not it's kind of come back to this like this whole spring i uh, planting there's not been one field we farm just right at five thousand acres yeah and um there's not been one field that i planted this spring that was perfect condition at all a They're lot a all lot of stuff like was that. just mudded in and there's just nothing nothing you can do about it and there's a there's few options there's a few options for uh, managing risk it's one of the one of the bigger things with agriculture, um, natural disasters and things like that, we're having to worry about weather this year. Yeah, um, we've had tornadoes here the last you know couple couple Quite weeks. Uh, we've had hail. Um, I've got wheat out right now. That's eight percent of it's going to be lost to hail hail damage of Just, what of what I would yeah. make. So it, how do you have all of your your field planted? So then? luckily, I'm very fortunate to. Yeah. We, we missed a few uh, key rainstorms um, here last month yeah. when we were planning. And we're a little, we're a lot drier at home even right now than, than you guys are here where the studio's at. And um, we, we just got lucky. We missed a few key rainstorms and we got a lot of our stuff planted. 
just um, how it fell. This that, that yeah. particular. Just I, I think I storms. spent, I think I spent three, like forty-eight hour planting marathons. Oh wow! Just to get it done, and we got it done. So now, something I think is is really important that a lot of people don't understand is what like your farming farmers across the nation, mm-hmm. etc. Like, why is that so important? I, I wanted you to to talk, if you would, about that, about the, it's not just for farmers, but how that impacts every consumer mm-hmm. and, and where what it goes. So it, once the harvest comes, once the, the crops get, what happens? Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty wide range. I mean, it, it starts at the top with world trade. I mean, uh, agriculture commodities through world trade, it's, it's our biggest, you know, export. Yeah. Um, we're some of the biggest providers in the world when it comes to that. You know, we've got competitors in South America and, and other countries. But when it comes to infrastructure and having the ability to produce, there's not a country in the world that beats us when it comes to that with the American farmer. With total output. Yep. What What's number one crop? Corn? Yeah. And really, and the thing with that, too, it goes further with most of the corn you see today is used in uh, animal production. Yeah. So feed um, and then also ethanol production. So a lot of times, like for my farm personally, um, all of our corn goes to an ethanol plant. Yep. It's processed there for ethanol. And then the byproduct of that is uh, uh, dried distilled grain solubles. And those are fed to livestock. That's what goes to them. Yeah. So it's, I didn't realize that, that you could split and mm-hmm. produce ethanol and then has, still have the feed. Yep. So well, I, I I know Shane. That's something that we were talking about is the impact of of the corn not having the yields that we've had. Yeah. And this is I, I, another article I read said I think 2014 uh, prices this year are already still selling at the high that it was in 2014, which was the highest it's been. Yeah. So with with the grain going up, with that going to cattle food, uh, and then what what else? Just cow. Just cattle? Oh, all, all, just, a lot of animal production. So everything. Every, just about everything, yeah. What is this going to do to the, the prices of meat for consumers? What What is that? Just basic. It'll the, be just basic supply and demand. Yeah. I mean, you know, as the supply goes down because of the way that we've been dealing with these natural disasters, uh, the demand's going to go high and the prices are going to follow it. So everything then in theory, right? So everything in theory, yeah. I mean, all the, even to gasoline with ethanol in it. You know, ethanol, uh, mm-hmm. anything with high fructose, corn syrup, anything yep. with animal in it. Yep. So everything basically dairy, at the grocery store, anything with anything dairy. And that makes yeah. sense, too, because like corn can be made and put into a lot of different things. Yeah. But like when you think of like, I think we talked about this one episode and like oranges. I mean, not that many things, you know, you don't make too many things with oranges. So right. if you have a bad year with oranges, it's not going to hurt the entire <laughs> yeah. world. But if you have a bad year with corn, it it's seems like it everything. can really do some damage. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and like I said earlier, there's there's risk mitigation, and everyone's if they're good at what they do, they have to take that into account. So we have crop insurance. Um, it's not the the thing about it is it's it really just keeps cash flow going. Yeah. So you're not you're not at a total loss in situations like this. Is is that different than government subsidy? Um, crop insurance. It gets intermingled there. Um, I know I know nothing about those. So I talked to another farmer and he mentioned it. And yeah, we didn't have time to get into that conversation. So it it works out that you pay for crop insurance and you have natural disasters like this. Um, everyone's is going to be a little bit different, but yeah. coverage is pretty much the same. Um, 
when you have something planted in the ground, something affects it. You normally have an average yield that you have for that piece of ground and that crop. Yeah. So they'll pay a percentage up to that average yield if it doesn't make higher than that average yield. And then you have a claim. And then on top of this, we have uh, tariffs going on with the trade war with President Trump. And uh, I've seen some of those. Those look fun. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So if you have if you have things planted and that's affecting the way that you're marketing that, he is saying they're gonna provide aid for those for those bushels that you're gonna lose to marketing for the trade war. I wondered how that works. It's kind of one of them things. I don't know. The the government's really good at breaking our legs and then selling us the crutch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just the way that it's just the way that that works. Um, I don't know how to make it work where it's not like that. You know, if it was up to me, I wouldn't take anything. I, I would like to be in a position where I didn't need any aid at right. all. If I just had a fair free market to yeah, market like my product situation where there's an obvious problem, but you don't you yourself or like, I see that all the time. I was like, man, that's fucked up that this is happening, but yeah. I don't really know myself how yeah. to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. Any yeah. impact. Uh, it could be heard. And I, I'm just thinking from some of my friends who have these kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. I do not particularly share this belief, but uh, would you say that, uh, Trump and the government is creating uh, weather control devices to affect the farmers. <laughs> I, I I don't man, really believe that. In today's world, it. it's chemtrails. It's like man. the yeah, Kim breaking your legs. I just and then listened the to crunch. the. That's where I got that. I just listened to the Bob Lazar episode of Joe Rogan. So did I, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> After that, you might not be too far off. Dude. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen <laughs> it yet. Dude, <laughs> that's the, the UFO, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's also a documentary on Netflix that you yeah. can check out too. That, uh, and I'll I'll give this disclaimer for the the episode or the the documentary on Netflix. <laughs> Chill for the first like ten minutes mm-hmm. because it's like some weird fucking like. Does it get wild right they off just, the bat? They just could have like cut the first ten minutes of it and then started there because the first ten minutes is like this weird like. I don't even like so many. He's getting texts and like there's Joe like, is it, no no okay, okay so the documentary so oh, the, okay. there's a guy that um that is on the the podcast with Joe Rogan and this Bob Lazar guy. Well, the guy that's on there with him is the person that helped to make this documentary about Bob gotcha. Lazar. Mm-hmm. So he just for whatever reason made the very first ten minutes of it like really fucking. And the, the, there's a guy narrating and he sounds like this. It, this is fucking <laughs> weird. <Yeah. laughs> and he's like, that sounds and, awesome. And I was trying to like. I was trying to like follow what the dude was saying. He was like, he's like the mountains are like snowstorms in the sky, and like he's just saying like a bunch of random just shit, wild things. And you're like, what does this have to do with aliens or anything? And then ten minutes in, you finally start getting into like this whole situation. Yeah. But um, I, I know this is kind of throwing. We're not. We're talking about our agriculture and stuff. But <laughs> this is what we do. But I think what he means is um, this Bob Lazar guy was t- telling about all this. Um, uh, technology that is basically so advanced that um, he he basically um, said it like this. So if you were to take a motorcycle and drop it into, I don't know, the 1820s or something like that, and then they would obviously see, you know, wow, this is some kind of thing. And eventually they learn how to turn the motorcycle yeah. on, but they would never figure out how it works because of what they know like you know what i mean like yeah, because they, they're limitations yeah mm-hmm. and then there's things that go on in that motorcycle that they don't even have the technology to make yet right so basically that's what he was saying that he looked at this alien i forget what the what was it like a um anti-gravity it's basically a a, a little 
machine. I don't, I'm not using the right terms, but it creates gravity, which mm-hmm. there's nothing on the world in the world that creates gravity. So we have, um, we can create a magnetic field. Yeah. So that's what it would be similar to is like, we can create, create that, but we can't create gravity. So there was a machine aboard this, um, spacecraft front and it's not area 51. It's like SR seven, S four or S six or something, yeah, like, something that. like this. So yeah. this is like a, like 15 miles. Yeah. So one direction. It's just an adjacent. Like, yeah. And he's, base. he basically is, so it's near. Yeah. So it's all contained in like yeah. Roswell. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Yeah. So okay. it's all within that, that area. And they've actually expanded that area with, since it's gotten more like attention and people are trying to look down from the mountains yeah. at it and they expanded the area so you can see as well what was going on. But, um, so he was basically explaining it that way that like, we don't have the information to understand what's going on inside this, these, this technology. And it's so advanced that like, he's like, I could guess, I could say that this is kind of like this, but I have no way of telling you that this is how this works. Yeah. So it's so advanced. And I think what you meant about the weather control thing is like, you never know because there's the, I mean, they're over there and and messing with that kind of stuff. You don't know what, you know, I think I mostly don't believe it because I don't want to, (laughs) (laughs) because even if it was true, I don't know what to do about it. Well, well, you you gotta be, they they talked about it. Like, what if it is true? What are they going to say? Yeah. There's something else out there, but, um, American Idol's on tonight, right? So, yeah. You know, right? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. you know, McDonald's is right down the road. Have, have fun sleeping tonight. You know, cheap yeah. entertainment, yeah. cheap food. So I am a firm about? believer in some, in some occasions, ignorance is bliss, man. Some yeah. things I just don't want to fucking know because it's too like I got other shit I got to worry about. Yeah. I mean, it'd I really be, be like it'd night. be like probably taking you guys and putting you in one of my tractors and saying, "Hey, exactly, yeah. go, go plant these beans." Go do this. Yeah, I'd be it's in so, there. It's which, so advanced now that most people have no idea. I would yeah. take you up on that offer. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do, and I'd probably break it. But I think I'd it'd <laughs> well, the, be a lot of fun. The, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think a lot of people understand the technology that goes into that to where the yeah. the actual. Con- I mean. Correct me. I don't know that much about it, but I know that it does have a navigation system, sure. yeah. and it does does it do the turns by itself. So normally, you normally do I do, the, and yeah. then everything else to to within a certain uh, measurement, mm-hmm. it, it stays in a track, right? Yep. So that's yep. Ins- that's insane by itself. Yeah. It's I con- agree. Considered precision agriculture. That's crazy. One of the that's what it's called now, like the evolution. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, we control everything. I mean, yeah. down to how many seeds per acre, um, the seed spacing, like. If you have one uh, seed of corn so on not, top of another one, it'll they'll basically kill each you're other. You're not doing yeah. like back in the yeah. day where you're like spitting the seeds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything, all, all that down to down pressure, it'll sense like ground conditions. So if you're going across the field and you get to a point where the soil is a little softer yeah. than normal, it can adjust pressure. So planting so depth cool. is, is the perfect all the way across the field. So how does that work for the older farmers? Like, do, have they taken well to it or is it, uh, you <laughs> um, know, most, candles were better, you know, when light bulbs came yeah, around. There's some, there's those? some like that. There's some that Purist. are still pretty stubborn and yeah. hard headed when yeah. it comes to that. And that's fine. They yeah, can, fair enough. We, they did it for years. They can get along with it just fine. But there's, yeah. there's a lot of, and really I wouldn't even say that I'm on the cutting edge of everything. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there that we don't have that we don't use, whether it's too expensive or it just doesn't work for our operation. Um, But it it is, it's wild how much, how much you can really control in the field. I mean, basically every aspect, I mean, tillage, um, fertilizing, planting, harvesting, spraying, everything everything has parameters that you can control and, and make it to where your bottom line, how much money you're making everything feeds all into that. That's incredible. 
Yeah. Well, even something that's even crazier, and you made a good point earlier, like when you were driving here and you're looking at the fields, like mm-hmm. imagine all the people that like, do you really know anyone that drives through cornfield or down the road with cornfields on each side or whatever and actually knows what's happening on either side of them? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, yeah. I've grew up around cornfields my entire life and never been able to look at a cornfield and be like, man, this ain't a good year. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, no, the, the only gauge that I've ever had of that point to growing up around here was knee high. Knee high Fourth of July. That's, yeah, yeah, that, exactly. That, that idiom. That's, that's it. That's, that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> exactly. Is that, well, right. that corn looks a little tall. I think it's doing well. Or looks it, a little and, short. And really, because of technology anymore, it's normally tasseling by Fourth of July yeah. or close to it. Yeah. So height is really the only like it should be at a certain time this high, or I know something's wrong, or something like you know, or it's or I don't really know. Maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing that it's behind. It's just like. Due to weather and things, you had to plan it later, or mm-hmm. I don't know how that all works. So uh, um, back with like insurance and things like that, there's there's certain cutoff dates. Mm-hmm. So there's dates where they'll insure you up to if the if the crop is planted by that time. Okay. Be- because the time it takes for that plant to mature mm-hmm. can go into the fall, and then you face threats from frost. Yeah, and other issues. that makes sense too. Because yeah. like, if you've ever made a garden, yeah. you know it tells you on the package like this is when you need to plant this. If How you plant days? it too early, if yep. you plant it too late, it's not going to work. Your mm-hmm. yields low, you get hit with that. Yep. And how many times? I mean, personally, how many times have I just been like, "Fuck it, I'm going to put it in the ground, see what happens." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get these like little just shitty. Experiment. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, you get a little at least brown I tomato one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, you said you said tasseling. Did uh-huh. you ever did detassel? Did you I, ever do that? No, job? I never did. It's one of my favorites. I'm yeah. always looking for the old detasslers because yeah. there's few and far between nowadays. No, my my experience with that is we we also farm like roadside produce, mm-hmm. and uh, so we we always grew sweet corn. So with sweet corn, um, back when I was a kid, that was yeah. basically my way of making money. And so when we needed sweet corn to sell, we would take a pickup truck. You know, ten years old, take a pickup truck, drive it to the field. Take five gallon buckets, walk down the rows, pick the ears, fill the buckets, fill the bed. That's cool. And then drive it back, and then you've got you know, sweet corn to sell. But it got to the point where my older brother, my younger brother, and my dad, we were all out in the field one day picking, and I look at my little brother, and he's just pale, <laughs> and he goes, "I'm cold," and it's like a hundred and ten degrees, oh, no. and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> we had to get him, get him, get him in the truck and get him cooled down and get water in him. And he ended up being okay. But that was last yeah. year. We handpicked stuff. There we you go. <clears> out there we went, it. we went and bought a one row mechanical picker. Yeah. Now, so. now, cause you guys still do that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So we raise 15 to 20 acres of sweet corn a year now. That's still. awesome. Yep. How does that sell? I mean, probably huge, right? Yeah. Very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, that's kind of my older brother. He, uh, that part of the farm with the produce, my older brother, Corey, he, yeah. he handles that. Um, and then we also farm, uh, we also have cattle. Um, we, we produce about 500 head of beef cattle a year. Oh, wow. And so my little brother, Cole, he kind of handles that. And Isn't I, it like a lot of farms do one or the other? So, or is it a lot of it's both? Another, it's another one of the, it's another method just for handling risk. Because you, it does seem like you said something about the corn and stuff can mm-hmm. be fed to the, you know, so you're, you're fueling either each yeah, one. So, so we, yeah. a lot of what we produce, um, with our cattle, we produce all the inputs for the feed and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we still we still go. <clears throat> there's a company we buy um, supplements and vitamins and things like that through. That makes sense. That we take care of. But as far as the uh, the corn and the silage and the haylage and baleage and everything else that we make, um, all that we produce ourselves. Okay. Yeah, I had so. a, I had a question about so 
this is kind of something, and I, I made a I made made this up in my head, but <laughs> because I, I, as I as I do for a lot of things, the but, question, yeah, that too, um, yeah. So, d- does your family have like a long lineage of like I I feel like there's a story yeah. somewhere about how this yeah. all got started mm-hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. So yeah. I, my I'm the fourth generation. Okay. Of, of my family K farm farming right L and K farms. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So and and with that we've since my brothers have kind of taken their own pieces of it, it's, we just consider it LMK farms, land, land, beef and uh, produce. Okay. And then how that all gets started from the first generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family uh, originally moved up from Somerset, Kentucky. Okay. Me too. Came up from Somerset, put roots down and started a dairy farm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's been who, right. Who, the, you know, have you, you've been through Newcastle. You've seen the yeah. produce stand there on three, just yeah. north of town. Yep. Yep. That's, that's, basically part of the original farm really mm-hmm. four <clears throat> generations ago when did yep. that what year was that like to change question oh man uh, it's written on the barn up there i feel i feel <laughs> next time i go by, i feel terrible for not knowing point. exactly but yeah it was uh i think i want to say it was like 1939 or something like that oh, wow right before the second world war they so, came up and bought land then yeah yep. i think me and you have talked about this before but is there some kind of like I feel like it's just not as easy if you if I just said today like I want to go be a farmer, like yeah. I don't feel like it's you have to be kind of born into it. Yeah, and you know for that I've I feel very lucky and if anything privileged to be able to do what I do for a living. Right. Um, I say that I was born to do it, but I really was. Yeah. And uh, I I really do enjoy it, but nowadays this the the overhead um, as far as industrial type agriculture goes, mm-hmm. yeah. what, what I do, um, it's so far it's so far over most anyone's ability to pay to get in. There's mm-hmm. just such a barrier for entry for it when it comes to that. Um, Cause I've know, heard of people starting like a little small, small organic farm. You could, yeah. You could doing, absolutely do that yeah. be, because you charge more for, for those types of things. Yeah. Cause most of the time they're more labor intensive. Right. And I've always wondered that because I've taken multiple like mm-hmm. aptitude tests. Mm-hmm. And it's always told me like, I need to be a farmer was one of the sure. main things. And then like anything outdoors pretty much. I've I always mean, just been like anybody with, with good drive, <clears throat> if they had 10 acres somewhere, they could make a pretty good living. Yeah. Just but there's, you'd have to know a lot about that, that mm-hmm. land though. Cause there's certain things that you don't want to buy land. That's and, yeah. And you're, you're traits. inheriting all the risk with that as well. Yeah. So, and like with produce and things like that, those things aren't insured. Yeah. So it's hard. I mean, my older brother, he's kind of in a bad spot worse than me right now, even because we just went in yesterday to check his pumpkin field. Mm-hmm. We planted those the first week of June and he's got maybe a third of his crop growing. Oh, damn. Dang. So, and, and do you guys do that for, for we sell? We, yeah, we do that okay. for the I produce. I was hoping that that was right. Cause yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that kind of sounds shitty. If you're like, you just <laughs> buy these, you, you grow these for Halloween for the kids. But I mean, that's exactly what you do. Right. But yeah. well, I mean, it's, it's retail. We, we grow yeah. oh, yeah. 10 acres of them, yeah. you know, and that's crazy. We'll I mean, 10 acres of yeah. fucking pumpkins. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty unimaginable. Like I think it's imagine a million dollars in front of you. Like mm-hmm. if you've never seen it, Mm-hmm. How could you? So ten acres of pumpkins, like how many on average pumpkins is that? Man, I don't know. A lot, thousands. <laughs> like, I have to be way, 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 way up. Yeah, there, right? my brother could give you a, a, a number because he's got all that worked out. But doesn't yeah, it ha- for sure. We've talked about this, like bushels and different. Yeah. I know that. I know you don't use that for pumpkins, but yeah, I mean there is a certain like for each however many of something. There's, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like there's like farm. Terms. ways to count it yeah, yeah farm terms yeah because i'd be out there like one yeah <laughs> <two>. <laughs> yeah far- farming has always interested me um 
I just don't know anything about it. And now I'm at yeah. a place where I feel like I'm like asking better questions of well, the and, world and, and trying to figure all this stuff out. Like I said, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be able to do it. And you know, for that, I like to be the, the window for people, yeah. you know, if, if they've got questions, if they want to see what it is, what, what's going on in the farming world, if they want, you know, answers to whatever questions, you know, they're what, two weeks ago, the whole thing at Fair Oaks farm, went down and kind of turned nationally viral about was, what was going on with animal welfare at dairy oh, farms. Yeah. yeah. I saw clips. I didn't get into full for anyone yeah. who hasn't seen it. That was the video did, where they were abusing cattle, right? Mm-hmm. Did you yep. hear uh, Joe Rogan talk about a little bit about why he became a hunter? Yeah. Because of factory farming and the yeah. way that they do certain things. Mm-hmm. And that he said he was either going to become a vegetarian or he was going to become a hunter. And yeah. he went and started hunting and then killing his own and, yeah. you know, animals and stuff. And that's the route that he took solely because of that. Mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. And then, like another point is like, it's like, I know I said this earlier, but just it's, it, I want to capitalize on is like, we grew up in this area and we know nothing <laughs> about all this yeah. stuff that surrounds us. Like yeah. I have lived in houses where all four corn sides of around. me was a cor- like across the street cornfield. Yep. And then the three, three sides. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy that I hardly know mm-hmm. anything about it. Other than if you pull one of those corn stalks out of the ground, it makes a really good mace. <laughs> yeah that's about all i know about a cornfield yeah. i used to hit my brother with, with those big old like comes out and there's like a big old dirt ball i know in the i out. know guys that have fallen off of tractor steps and have been impaled oh, oh I, yeah. I guarantee it yeah. I, those things hurt i've yeah. fallen on those i mean i've been impaled, punctured lungs and i used all kinds to of spears stuff. too yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah they worked growing up yeah um the the crops with uh, monsanto dow do you deal with them Somewhat, yeah, with their, with their not only their genetics but also um, some of their chemical for agriculture. I was wondering when you were talking about technology, how those mm-hmm. two played into each other. Like, do they have like a hold on on technology or support it because sort of it pushes it's, it's like the farmer out. No, it's like uh, intellectual licensing. Yeah, but it's like technological. So they do all the they do all the research, um, just just to kind of give you guys a baseline. If you have a problem, say we have a certain weed that we're trying to kill yeah. in the field. Um, if we need a certain solution for that, um, we go to co- companies like Monsanto, Dow, things like that. Um, they come out and say, okay, well, we've got this, we've got this problem. We're going to develop a product that's going to be your solution. Normally, on average, it takes around 10 years of research and development to get something for that, for that product to be licensed and be able to use um, for, for applicators. Yeah. So with that, you know, they, they go through so much in, in testing with research and development that by the time it gets to a finished product, they have, I don't know how many millions, billions of dollars invested. Yeah. You know, of course they're going to patent that. Of course they're going to protect that. Right. So that others can't copy it and make generic, you know, because that's your research. That's your decade long. Yeah. And, and so as long as we follow the, the label, you know, we don't have any issues with it. Yeah. Um, there's you you have to be licensed to be able to use a lot of these restricted use um, pesticides, and so we know what we're doing. We know what we're using, and it's it kind of comes down to when people see a sprayer going across the yeah. field and they see all the all that liquid coming out of the booms yeah. on a 120 foot boom section on a sprayer. They see all that and they're like, oh, they're just drenching the field. They're just drenching yeah, the field. Exactly. Ninety eight percent of that it's just water. It's just carrying the, that product. Well, that's, that's what they want you to believe. Definitely a misconception that yeah. I, I probably had is that that was a joke. I don't think it's a conspiracy <laughs> like that. <laughs> the like the uh, the pesticides and stuff you use definitely yeah. to me 
without knowing is scary oh, in absolutely. terms of like yeah, yeah. I've always I always hear about stories of like farmers dying of cancer mm-hmm. because of you know they they were farmers and they were around yeah. these pesticides and I think maybe that may have been more true in the past because uh I w- yeah I would ha- say the old. handling of that kind of stuff yeah. has gotten a lot safer mm-hmm. and it's contained and not being used the same way it was 30 40 years ago yeah um so that's probably where I've heard that from but that's always kind of something that I've thought of. Like if I were to see exactly what you, the, the picture you were just painting about the boom spraying, yeah. mm-hmm. I would have thought exactly the same thing. I would have thought, wow, yeah. they're just spraying the shit out of that stuff's everywhere. I heard a story the other day about uh, McDonald's French fries. I don't know if I said that on here or not, but basically, I don't think so. So the, this is, and this is some shit I read on the internet. <laughs> Who knows if it's true or not, yeah. but basically the reason why uh, McDonald's French fries have no like brown spots on them or anything. They're always golden yellow is because, the the farmers use this pesticide and it basically they spray it and then they don't leave their house for like two weeks or something like that because they go inside and then they hide out and they and they let this stuff like you know do what it does and then eventually it's not there and it's such an intense way as it was before yeah and then um so like the point was they they they're they're even scared of it because they go in their house for so long and then eventually they put it in some kind of building and then it but basically, it's to get rid. Like that's why they're so golden or whatever. But I mean, that sounds like bullshit. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, I have no. You and know, I'm, I, I'm not so. I'm not so naive to say that, you know, there are no ill effects or right that we that we can ever prove. But anecdotally, I've been around it my whole life in concentrated forms. You know, more than the average person just you've because of had my occupation. Arm. And I'm healthy as fuck. Yeah, book. this third arm is, it's <laughs> always been here. So it's not part of the pesticide. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I mean, but really, uh, I've not had any issues. My dad's not had yeah. any issues. Well, the thing with that also is every job has, oh, for, I mean, I'm not, if you're working in an office, you're not, you're going to get a paper cut. But yeah. But what I'm saying is like carpal tunnel, working on airplanes, same thing. You're using all, you know, different things that are sealants that have, that if you get them on their skin or, yeah. Our um, coal miners, MEK, MEK is like a solvent that they use to like, you know, basically get glue off of things. And people back in the day used to just douse their arms with it. And these people are getting uh, blood cancer, all kinds of crazy things, because back in the day they didn't know the effects of that kind of stuff. Right. I feel like with just about any um, like blue collar job or something along those lines, you're going to have some kind of thing that you're dealing with that's probably harmful for you, especially in California. (laughs) <laughs> oh man! If you cross that arbitrary line in the dirt, you're definitely getting cancer. California sucks, doesn't it? It used to be a real cool place. It sounded great. I was like, I'm gonna move to California, <laughs> and I'm so glad I never did. Yeah. The uh, I heard they have really good avocado toast. <laughs> 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 the pesticide talk is, I think, very interesting because I, I n- no one, no, that's not right. A lot of people don't know. Uh, they just see things and then jump to conclusions yeah. or read mm-hmm. online. And that's like, I, I, well, like, and it's, it's easy stuff. Like, yeah, I post videos and stuff when I'm out farming, just stuff that I find interesting or people ask me questions and it comes up often. I'll yeah. make a video and say, here's how we do this. Um, but I was loading my bean planter the other day. And when the beans are coming out of the seed tender that I used to load my planter, the beans are, have different colors. So they have oh, a seed, no. they have a seed coating on them that's dyed yeah. a certain color so that you know that they're treated. And th- that's just to Which help. Which goes into the food and causes autism. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> just throwing every conspiracy. But everybody, like I posted this. a video, I think it might've been on Snapchat, but that I had beans red. <laughs> yeah. I had like 10 people like, what in the hell is that? What are you, putting, yeah. what are you putting in the ground? And 
just going through and explaining. You've you know, never seen alien beans? These the are just alien <laughs> beans. <laughs> this yeah, guy from came down UFO from the yeah. AR fifth one, whatever that <laughs> yeah, place he came is. down from this the sky. What, this is what Bob Lazar was reading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all He came down, he's like plant these. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh and it goes to uh, we touched on it very briefly about like small organic farms, mm-hmm. about how to get into farming, mm-hmm. small organics, organic. I've heard so many mixed things from farmers, from consumers about the organic label being a marketing push. It means some stuff there's, sometimes. I would say there's a lot of uh, intentional misnomers with organic. Yeah, I, I have no. Tr- I, I, to me, it's not a good food versus bad food issue. Okay, what you're eating is the same thing genetically, um, but and nutritionally, in in most cases, the pesticide part is the different part, right? So that makes it different. Most people would assume. That organic means no pesticides. Yeah, I don't so, know, maybe not no, but some. Yeah, but, but they don't under, they don't understand the types of pesticides that would be considered for organic yeah. use. Yeah, I've talked to the people who you're talking about. And who, some of those can be just not, as dangerous as they assume that some of the pesticides that yeah. we use might be. Yeah, because it's chemicals. Exactly, and it's like that chemical sounds still, scary. If it gets on your skin, it's still going to burn the shit out of you. Right. So there. So people. Organic farmers still use pesticides. Oh, yeah. Uh, some maybe not. Maybe that's a thing, but most would. And for the what? Depending on what's being produced. Yeah. yeah. Industrial production, you'd kind of have to. Yeah. Or you'd plant and assume, <clears throat> what, a 30% yield if you never used anything? Exactly. I have you, a question. Is So if you were to like, is there any way that a farmer can, I'm sure that there is, but a farmer can cut corners and cause the crops to be less safe but but they're getting it done faster or they're doing something like that in terms of like i don't know i'm not you know obviously there's people out there that with anything that like to cut corners or do Mm -hmm. something that's not necessarily safe to to get something done faster i just didn't know if that that kind of exists in farming at all or or do you have to do everything pretty like the way that it has to be done or you're just not going to get yeah i mean everything the way that everything's handled with that is the way that they monitor it everything's traceable yeah. So if they have issues with something, if you're if you're selling if you're selling a finished product at a, an elevator somewhere, and for whatever reason it gets tested and it, it has a certain toxin or certain something wrong with it, mm-hmm. they know where it came from. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So and then and then it's enforceable back to the producer. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. goes probably uh, like back to some of the licensings and regulations from like Monsanto Dow, yeah. wherever you purchase. So like a couple, seeds. a couple years ago, there was a big thing with, um, uh, I forget the name of the bacteria, but it was with, uh, musk melons in Indiana. It turned into a big thing and a lot of people were getting sick. I vaguely and remember it that. was cause like down around Vincennes where I went to college is it's a huge like Mecca for growing, um, musk melons. Okay. And so there was a problem down there. I don't know. I don't know if it turned out to be, um, whatever practice they were using and cultivating or growing those, but they, they ended up tracing it all the way back to this one single farm and figured out that it was coming from this one producer. And it was spreading the bacteria to all of them. Yeah. Well, it would get in. Yeah. It would get into the other melons, the other melons. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's comforting knowing that there is something like that. You're held accountable for, you know, just like, cause you, you would think in such a large, like all that crop, there's like no way to track it like that, but it's good to know yeah, that there well, is. Yeah, well, I mean, once it gets so, once it all gets mingled and consolidated at an elevator, you know, it's but hard to pull one kernel and say, well, this came exactly yeah, from yeah. Cade's farm. But they know who came in that day, and then they can they keep can track, track all those. their leads down. That makes sense. Yep. 
And then you can identify and go, is this more of a problem? Is it an isolated issue? Yep. Do we need to spend a decade of research to develop a cure for it? Or it's yeah. probably, that's the same thing that they have to do with meat too. Yeah. Is because say that, you know, yeah, some how many times, virus. how many, yeah, like recalls have they had on meat or something somewhere yeah. and they have to trace that back to where it came from to find the source of the problem. So that makes mm-hmm. it's exactly the same thing. It seems like the, the future of, of farming then with the technology and with how things are, I mean, it, this is probably how it's going to be for a while, right? Technological advances in farming. It's just going to run, uh, with the weather changing. And that's been the most important thing is the rain affecting the crops this year. Right. As mm-hmm. we said, is, do you think it is likely then that Monsanto, Dow, any of these research companies will create a grain that can be planted like rice in water, like a corn? Oh, sure. And you oh, can yeah. just sit in floods. Like, I guess that would there's be the only, next I mean, there's idea, only right? so far you can go, you know, with to that. I mean, any, if anything spins a week underwater, it's probably not going to live. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are varieties that are out there that, that defeat issues like that. They yeah. defeat uh, wet conditions. They defeat drought. Um, there's certain, certain, uh, I want to say it was like a rice or something that has a certain vitamin in it in Asia that that's curing um, nutrient deficiencies oh, in wow. people. You know, they, they can, they can adjust and modify those genetics to provide what people need. Well, that stuff's scary and you can't play God, right? <laughs> 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 it's just, Tech, technology the and the way it's stuff, going, man. and I, I think you know, as it as it goes, people are going to want answers. Yeah, and I feel like it's going to be producers that are going to be the best ones to provide those answers. Yeah. you know, people when people come to ask me questions, I give them the best answer I could give them. Right. So, in, in hopes that they're you know truly wanting to learn about it. I was imagining like Water World. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's just wet all the time, <laughs> and then farmers are sitting on their porch, you know, driving a drone. <laughs> Doesn't touch the ground. Is planting water. Interstellar yeah. really did a number I on me with farming. That. Yeah, yeah. It's like the weird like. Is that thing? Matthew McConaughey movie? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> he actually sent me that thing the other day. He's like, "Why didn't you guys have an episode of uh, Thunderwolf?" And I said something like, "Absence makes the heart grow fonder." And he said, "He just sent me a little, little <laughs> gift that said, all right, all right, all right.'" right. <laughs> Um, but basically, well, yeah, so that movie was crazy because they were getting sick from, but that was from all the dust. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But that was kind of a, a crazy look on what potentially farming could look like in the future, which I have no idea if that's complete bullshit or what, but it just seemed like a, a really cool, um, take on farming in the future. There, yeah. there are probably, tra- there. I wouldn't say probably, there are tractors in the world right now running without operators. Yeah. The I think the issue with, you know, automizing that is going to be insurance. Right. We're not going to be able to just turn them loose and run through your your house and and deal with that. I feel like a lot of Same thing that's going on with Tesla and all that shit. It's like they can't have the self-driving cars because you don't, you're, you know, it's the same thing. I've been watching that closely because I know it's not going to be long before it's going to come right to agriculture. Yeah. Because the morality of that argument, how are you going to. That's probably another thing. A it's computer like, decide human life value. Yeah. Well, he's that. probably monitor, like you just said, monitoring, mon- monitoring that, go. and it's like always changing. Like yeah. that's like your field of work is like constantly changing. Mm-hmm. There's always some new, like something I saw the other day, and something you posted, which is probably not very new, but it's still really cool to me. Was the helicopter? Yeah. I'm not sure what it was doing, but I knew. Yeah, it was we like, had a helicopter in applying a pesticide on our wheat. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
where they do the dives and then they spray and then they yeah they've just around. got a set of booms on it and it carries the it carries it over and and they've got a GPS set up inside the helicopter and it shows them where they applied and where they need to apply. So just like the harvesters, that's a service somebody does. Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, I'm yeah, they be they'll a travel. Sprayer. They normally travel um, across the country and they'll follow they'll follow the wheat kind of as or whatever crop they're yeah. spraying at the time. Wheat corn. We're gonna have helicopters in to, to probably spray our corn this fall. But uh, they'll follow it as it as it progresses because in the southern states they're you know a month or more ahead yeah. of us yeah and then they just kind of follow they follow the wave as it as it goes up and so everything they just matures hit across the country because yep. there's certain That's times so where cool. you need to spray the crops uh, before they they get damaged by whatever threat they're facing. That's so so cool the technology implement yeah I that's why I asked that question about the older farmers and then how that affects the newer farmers with the technology because mm-hmm. I feel like that would be probably one of the last last bastions of anti-automation yeah. that I would suspect and from a, tradition. And a really wild figure is I think the average age of the American farmer right now is 59. Oh, wow. And for every farmer that's over the age of, I think, 50 or 55, there's one farmer under the age of 30. That's pretty there's scary. There's a huge gap. How much money do farm hands make? Like, if you were to go help a farm out, how much how much would they make? Do you have any idea? I'm pretty good. Twenty, twenty five hundred dollars yeah. a month. If ever, if it ever fails, I'm just gonna. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna yeah. go and get on Craigslist or something and look up a. Because I've seen on Craigslist they have like the jobs or whatever, and they had like a, you could help out a dairy farm, which I thought would sure. be kind of cool, but a little too. I'd rather deal with like crops and stuff than mm-hmm. live animals and shit. So, but yeah. Yeah, I want to learn that. You're, like already, you're, already, a, you're already a potato farmer. So. <laughs> well, I used to be. That didn't go over so well. I don't like, I, last week I've really thought about it. I don't like to talk about my potato farming days and I bet. Yeah, it's all right. dude. <laughs> it's all right. You didn't know. I hadn't talked to you about it yet. So yeah. I, you know, water, water well, under the bridge, water in the crops, water in the crops, standing water <laughs> in the crops. What that number though, uh, that impact of having one young farmer under every, how many you said five, every five. Yeah. So does that, does that create like farm dynasties or farm shortages? Somewhat, and there's... So both, right? So another big part of farming is succession planning. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's generational, you've got to be able to plan for your kids um, if, if it's something they want to do, um, making room for all that. Um, you know, in the last 15 years, my dad's gone from providing for him and, and us boys yeah. to now we all have our own parts of the farm and we all have our own different families. Is it safe to say when you were like growing up that you would come home from school and work on the farm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I would drive a tractor to school so I could work on the other side of town Yeah, after school. That makes sense. Yeah. I remember in Greenfield we had drive your tractor to school day. So I'm sure you had that. Yeah. Where did you go to too. school? Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. You're going to let it be quiet for a second. <laughs> Just build the moment up. <laughs> Oh, it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I know. I, I could see it in your eyes when you were doing it. I'm just like, like I started shaking my head immediately because I'm like, oh, I'm just waiting for you to. The, the uh, I I wonder then how that's going to impact like the future if if it's going to not be so much traditional passing down for the uh, continuation, but switching it to someone else, like a more or less like a master apprentice of a trade, any other trade. Um, if farming has reached that point with population, I don't know. I think I I just think. It's really a lot of topics, even now, like I have so many more questions that mm-hmm. I, I just need them all on and, and think back on. But 
we've talked almost an hour now on farming, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, we answered a lot of things that I was curious about. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Started maybe some some thoughts in other people's mind about what it does or the impact or, uh, you know, when they go to the store, how much do the the yeah crops or when touch. you're driving down the, one of these back roads yeah. and you see you know fields to both sides of you maybe kind of thing that's i'm definitely going to do that from now on it's kind of i'm going to give my shitty look at the field and be like "Eh, this is what's going on here (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go knock on the farmer's door and be like look dude you got a problem (laughs) hey here's what's up man you need to get these new seeds my buddy k told me that (laughs) but you aren't just a farmer you also do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Sure. And yeah. you do a lot of that, and I see a lot of the posts. I know nothing of it. I know before you got here, there was something Shane and I This is like about. My, one of my favorite things to talk about. Cool. So, and yeah. I know nothing, so that's something that I, I have no questions. So I you, just tra- you train too? I did at some point. Okay. Um, I don't want to say I don't anymore because of time, because that's usually just an excuse. But yeah. I mean, I got a lot going on, and it's, sure. just, it's not in the cards right now. But I for sure, once I get out of school and stuff, I'm going to go back to... I miss it really bad. Yeah. Um, having people... Obviously, like, you know, seeing your videos of you, I see you train up in Fishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I go there for their open mats. Yeah. My home gym's in Muncie. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I have a, a couple of buddies that still train. We had Ian on here. That's an MMA fighter. Yeah. And he trains just right up here at, uh, I think it's called Circle City. Um, it's a 10th planet. Yeah. Uh, part of that. And um, yeah, so I, I trained on a Klingerman. I don't know if you ever. Uh, sure. IBJJA. Yeah. yeah. I trained there for two and a half years, two years, something like that. And then once I got like 20 credit hours of school and was working at the same time, I just kind of took a break from it, which sucks. But um, I love having people in and talking about just kind of like, that's kind of what I want to, what I wanted to know was what got you started in jujitsu and um, what, I mean, I know I had to come, I, mine's from Joe Rogan. <laughs> I literally, I know that sound, I, I, I hate Honestly, that. I hate that I'm just so on his nuts yeah. all the time, but I mean, I listened to that and I was like, I really want to like try some of the shit like hunting for example like yeah. bow hunting and yeah. that kind of stuff and i just like was listening to it and i was like you know i'm gonna go try this and i did i ended up liking it so i i mean i obviously like it for a thousand other reasons now yeah but that's just what got me started him talking about his passion for jujitsu and you know how humbling it is and all that stuff that mm-hmm. kind of goes into it yeah so. i would say the idea came from listening to that and yeah. jocko willink yeah you know i'm a yeah. big fan of the jocko podcast yeah um Two, I started two years ago, um, actually just right at two years ago, and um, I was kind of starting to uh, just make a lifestyle change. Yeah, um, I needed to lose a lot of weight. I was 380 pounds, and uh, I was starting to see some uh, health issues with that. Mm. I hurt my, I hurt one of my knees. Uh, I chipped off a piece of my femur, and it got stuck behind my knee and it kept getting caught. Jeez. So I had to have a knee scope and have that fixed. Oh, and, wow. Um, I don't, I don't have health insurance. Well, honestly, for so your, I had to pay for it. For your like, knee, <sighs> for your knees, you went into the wrong. Well, <laughs> cause so, jujitsu can be super hard on your knees. It's cool now. I'm 110% yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but I started having health issues and was like, I got to do something. I got to make a lifestyle change. And mm-hmm. so I started dieting and working out and started seeing, uh, you know, stuff going on with that. And, um, I found, one of my buddies uh, went to Muncie Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and mm-hmm. he's like, Hey, you got to come up and, and, and give this a try. And I, I had always thought about it. I'd always kind of had in the back of my mind, man, it'd be cool if you were somewhat accomplished in a martial art. And it's like, well, I've heard a lot about it and we'll go up there and try it. And I just haven't looked back since fell then. I found it. It, fell it really is it. one of those things where just it, it, it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. um, from what he kind of like Joe Rogan or, or guess like Eddie Bravo or whoever he yeah. said on kind of explaining it. 
it wasn't like I thought all what I had a misconception of that as well. Like I thought it was going to be like karate or something, you know? And a lot of people, when they asked me, like my dad used to be like, how's your karate going? I'm like, I fuck you. You (laughs) Cause it's not like, there's no kicking or punching or anything like that. It's just grappling and chokes and you know, that kind of stuff. And like, like you said, it's just, you start and you learn a lot about yourself Mm -hmm. and where you stand among other people and how one day you can feel pretty good that, you know, you, you physically could do some damage and then some guy comes along and just takes this completely fucks you up and just shows you there's bigger fish still. Well, yeah. Not only that, a 110 pound girl that's been doing exactly, it for six years. That's exactly yeah. right. I mean, it's, it, you know, humbling is the biggest <laughs> thing. Like seriously, yeah. I've never been so humbled from something It's because you'll have some guy, you know, have a purple belt. That's like, like you said, 120 pounds and he's just fucking you up, putting yeah. you in pretzels choking you to death and it's also it's like fun i mean it's like you're not mad about it you know it's just one of those very chill kind of like kind of primal things that you get to feel about yourself and you're like man this is like Mm -hmm. you feel something that you've never you know kind of i think your uh your physical transformation and your posts about it kate have been really cool to see Mm -hmm. like from a purely like observation like for someone else kind of uh you know sight because I've, I've seen your post from when you started uh, dedicating to more dieting and talking about that and weightlifting. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some other people start posting some of that stuff out right now, and it's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, do, do belts work the same in Brazilian jiu-jitsu as like karate? Is it, no. all, is it completely different? Is it an idea? I, I don't the know idea is probably that. the same, but there's I think with like karate, there's way more belts. I'm not sure if that – and they're different colors. Belts yeah. and time. Belts and time. <clears throat> time is the biggest thing yeah. in jujitsu. Uh, it basically, you could be a blue belt for, or you could be a white belt actually for four years, five years, something depending on. I mean, there's people that do it in two. There's yeah, people yeah. that do it in a lot less than that. But the, I think the normal time range for be, becoming a white belt to a blue belt is probably like two years. Mm-hmm. What so. belt are, are you? Is that a fair question? Yeah, I just rude? got I just got my blue belt in March. Blue belt. Mm-hmm. What level? What level is that? It'd be the next step up from white belt. So you start with white, and so then you start you start with white, um, and then you have. Uh, basically you have five ranks inside each belt. So you have white belt and then you've, you've got uh, stripes in between. Oh, okay. And some schools are a little bit different. Yeah, Some schools don't actually, a lot of schools do things very different. Yeah. Like I've seen schools where you have to get some kind of diploma or yeah. like show them a certain amount of technique before you yeah. can get like an actual diploma. That is a, a step up to a next belt. And then they, he, what he's talking about is what I'm used to as well as like the stripes You'll have like you'll start out white belt and then you get four stripes and then they give you the blue belt. Mm-hmm. So if you ha- that just kind of gives you a gauge in between belts of like, say you see a white belt that has four stripes, you know that he's not just a beginner white belt. With, pro- you know, yeah, yeah. they progressed a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and then they could probably hang with the majority of blue belts. Or yeah, there's like- and there's still. I mean, to me, really, I don't I don't get an ego over it. There's mm-hmm. there's plenty of no stripe white belts that have 12 years of wrestling experience that come yeah. in and oh, just yeah. ragdoll me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the way it is. It's just how long I've been training versus how long they've been training. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some guys with just pure power, like some strong ass dudes that have no wrestling background mm-hmm. and can come in and just manhandle manhandle you over just straight. And that's what jujitsu teaches you is just kind of like using leverage, you know, to, to, yeah. for smaller people to gain advantage. But sometimes <laughs> when you're a white belt or, you know, something and you go up against some dude that just is strong as shit, you can't do anything about yeah. it. You're just going to get smothered or the, you know, neon belly or just that kind of stuff, just getting completely smashed. So what mm-hmm. Prince of Dorne versus the mountain. 
Yeah. Just the feeling of like, and that's another thing that comes along with jujitsu is it's the feeling of never being able to breathe (laughs) and then getting, and then getting used to that. Oh yeah. Where you're like, been here before or just being calm just yeah. being calm when that's going on yeah because because i think in the beginning for me like from chokeholds from getting punched in the stomach or no punches no or... kicks just from the feeling of getting choked and being okay with it knowing that i've been here a million times i've, I've i'm being choked and i'm not freaking out about it so like you it, you start working it out in your head okay how do i get out of this instead of being like turmoil yeah. you know instead of freaking out and just like being impulsive and grabbing and yeah. doing you just kind of like okay, here's where I'm at. Now I need to do this to get out of it or, you know, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. And then slowly dislocate your jaw and slip through <laughs> Become a snake, an actual snake. That's Snap your own arm out. JJ. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, that, I mean, it, I, I, I get why that would be super important because just hearing like being choked, I'm like, nope, nope wouldn't do that yeah and then it's like well maybe that's what people should do then is that like and it's like it's it's as mental as it is a physical challenge yeah i would imagine so you know being able to have something like that i've never been someone who felt like i had a trouble with mental health Mm -hmm. but i would say my mental health has definitely got better since i started jujitsu more conviction more constitution to your own yep that's really cool Mm -hmm. do you do you have goals so uh like your blue belt now, do you plan to get something else by a certain time or is it just more of that experience? I just kind of, I just kind of go in and train. I, I've i kind of given up on thinking about what belts this and what a belts hierarchy that. Or Eventually. Thing. It's I, hard not to, I feel like in the beginning because yeah. that's, you don't know any better, but yeah. I think as the, it's like a journey. I know it sounds very mm-hmm. like deep and, but I mean, it really is. You just kind of like, like he's saying, you, you let it happen as you're kind of relying on your teacher to yeah. when he thinks you're ready, you're ready. And then you just you love doing jujitsu so much that it doesn't it gets to a point where it doesn't matter so much about when I'm going to get this or yeah. when I'm going to get that. It's just you're learning a lot about yourself in the time that is, you know, that that's going by and you stop worrying so much about the next stripe or the next belt or that kind of stuff. Mm hmm. That's cool. At least I did. I mean, I'm only speaking for myself, but I've I've heard a lot of people. What belt did you get to? You said I didn't get to the blue belt. So white, yeah, white with white. stripes. Yeah, is Jack white? Is he <laughs> the white stripes? Yeah, is, <laughs> does he do BJJ? Is that what the songs I, are actually about? I don't think so. Uh, That'd be really cool if he did though. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me these days with like Demi, there's a lot of Demi yeah, there's Lovato a lot of and celebrities that do it. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the dude from uh, Keanu Reeves is BJJ? Yeah, he did it. Oh, wow. I think he started it through the for uh, a lot of the, John, John Wick. Wick. A yeah. lot of the stuff you see, like physical combat. You know the the jiu-jitsu guy from really cool. you know the guy from Married with Children, the dad. Yeah, he's a black belt in jujitsu. Al Bundy. Yeah, he's a black belt in jujitsu. He was a badass. Yeah, he could fuck up Keanu Reeves. Yeah, no, kidding. it's crazy for to sure. just think. Yeah, just what about Steven Sol- Seagal? Could he fuck up? No, Steven. Oh, dude, I don't know what he personally thinks about <laughs> Steven Seagal, but I think he's the fucking. <laughs> With his like running at you and he's just like flips his wrist. And I think he, it's, I don't know. Is that <laughs> all Hollywood magic? Aikido. A lot of it is. Who would win in a fight then? Uh, Al Bundy or Bruce Lee? Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Bruce yeah. Lee? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Because I would say he's more of a mixed martial artist than he is just specifically one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I, I guess that's fair. I, fair to say that it's not fair to just put... Well, two different disciplines together and go, which one's better? And, well, and really, he was probably the one of the founding people that started that, that started putting everything all together. Yeah, what actually Bruce started Lee. the term mixed martial arts. Yeah. My take on like karate and stuff like that, I, I kind of like give it a bad rap sometimes. 
But to me, karate is a real thing. Mm -hmm. There's just not very many people that know how to do the real karate because I feel like in the 80s, it got so watered down with like movies coming out, people getting, oh, a karate movie came out. So I'm going to go learn how to do karate because it was so popular in the 80s. And then I felt like the whoever, I don't know if you call them like senseis or whatever, but they got pressured into feeling like they had to give people the next belt or, or give them a higher thing. And then it kind of like got watered down. Like I think at some point karate was a very legit, I mean, even today in MMA, like wonder boy Thompson, uh, Sage Northcutt, those are both two people that are karate based people that can, will beat the fuck out of you with some karate. I but, had no idea that karate got like watered down like that. I just know that. Yeah. Cause you I remember heard it in the nineties a lot growing up and yeah. then haven't, it's because people got so into it and then everyone was flocking to their local karate yeah. place. And then I feel like it kind of got watered down because the, like I said, the senseis were like, Oh, I feel like I need to, I'm making all this money through these people. And he's probably losing people because he's not, mm-hmm. um, giving so him the next belt or thunder wolf dojo. That sounds BJJ, awesome. And for $30, you get a white belt for 50. You get a blue belt. Right you, off the bat. <laughs> you just know why would you, you do that when you can go to Amazon and buy a black belt right now? Yeah. Because they do it at our dojo. <laughs> come to us and we'll just sell them belts. Oh, it's funny because there's been so many videos. All right, kids, go fight. <laughs> I've seen a lot of videos on YouTube of stuff of like a guy will just say, I'm a black belt and then go start training at a, at a place as a black belt. And then they'll like shame him. Like, cause they'll like, Oh he, yeah, he, they should. I think. Well, I, well for sure. But they can tell in like the first five seconds of rolling with him yeah. that he's not a black belt right. or, a, just, or a, a brown belt or a, a purple belt. There's right a, tender. there's a video there on the, on YouTube's of a guy, uh, Andre Galvo. He's a pretty, some people would call him one of the greatest of all time, but, uh, they, he runs into a fake black belt at a tournament and basically uses the whole round just to make him look goofy. Just slow play his ass. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a pretty crazy video. Have Just, you have you met anybody like that? Nah. You training? don't see it very often. Is it pretty rare? Dude, it's yeah. pretty like the worst thing you run into might be somebody with a little bit of an ego. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I, but really most all the people I've met that yeah. I train with, they're all great people. Yeah. Yeah. And the person that has the ego and can't get rid of it won't last. They won't last. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things where like you gotta leave your ego at the door. Like that was one of the first things I learned when I started going to jujitsu. Is like my my instructor would can constantly say that like mm-hmm. if you're gonna have a big head about this and you're gonna come you're in here out, with you your you know all shouldered out, you're it's not gonna work. There's those guys in everything yeah. right there. If you flare those elbows, someone's gonna take it. I would call those guys forty five <laughs> guys. Would you? Yeah, they're for the same sure. group, oh, for right? Sure. Same oh, yeah. exact idea. Definitely. That they're, makes sense. I don't know what that means. Forty five, the round gun. Oh, they're, okay. The, the people in the gun community, it, when I talk to people, there's so much infighting with everything. So much infighting, and yeah. as soon as the person like is pushing four and forty five is the best round, it's the only one to carry. You're like, I don't like you. I don't <laughs> like anything you stand for, and you're probably. This I way carry forty five because it rips a hole in space time continuum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It kills your whole family. One of yeah. those kind of people. One shot. I just call those all forty five guys. I now. just stick above three eighty, so I don't have to worry. So I make sure it goes through their chest. Yeah, yeah. that's why I carry just that uh, forty four still. Just keep that on, you know. Take out forty five. I got guys. A, I got that ten millimeter. Just kidding. I'm not out for murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's exactly when I first bought my first gun. I was like, I want something that is easily concealed and something that's going to fucking blow a hole in somebody. But th- that sometimes can be, you're going to give and take from me. Like oh, you're yeah. going to get like with a smaller gun and a bigger round, you're going to get some like, uh, some, what is it called? Re- recoil. recoil. Yep. So, I mean, I kind of wish I would have got a different gun, honestly, but I have the 
40 Smith & Wesson Shield, which is like an all right gun, but it's got a little bit of a snap to it. I wish I didn't ha- would have gotten something a little bit better. But That 44 I bought from you years ago. Do you mm-hmm. know I carried that? Really? <laughs> yeah. Carried it on my belt for years. For like Did you years. get a holster made for it? Uh, I had a really shitty... I completely accept that this was not the right thing. And once I learned, I stopped doing it. I just had some shitty canvas Velcro. How awful is that? Yeah. Sometimes Carry you that just, shit I mean, there's a difference between not knowing and then just being a fucking douche. Once right? I learned, I stopped. I was like, yeah, nope. you have to learn. Like, nope. There's so many things that I've done in the past where I'm like, this is fuck, so fuck cool. Yeah. And then I learned, I'm like, oh God, I'm oh, being yeah. a total douchebag. I right was now. an idiot. It's like the, <laughs> I call it the evolution of a gun owner. Like, yeah. Everybody starts somewhere and most people don't have great influences where they do start. Right. Yeah. My thing is I always... Anytime I get into anything, whether it be jujitsu or the first time I bought a gun, I always do like a lot of research and yeah. I actually have a lot of fun doing the research. Like I'll spend days looking at guns and reading and that's fun for me. Like, so yeah. I don't mind doing that kind of research mm-hmm. and then it ends up being better in the long run instead of just going out and, you know, my buddy told me to get this. And then, so I'm just, I got, I'm, I got a fucking Caltech or, you know, so, so a high point. Yeah. High point where they call that the, the, what do they call that now? The Yeet Cannon? The Yeet Cannon, yeah. <laughs> it's called the Yeet Cannon? Oh, There's this man. Cr- yeah, so again, with There's the, a, with the gun, gun world, yeah, the oh, infighting no. in the gun world, uh, High Point announced that they're releasing a new 9mm, and they're kind of known for being the entry level yeah. of of buying a handgun. You can buy five of them for the price of a... Yeah. What is it, like $140 they're, or they're, something like that? Not that aesthetics mean anything, but they're about the ugliest yeah. gun out there. They don't look pretty. We're um, going to make the handle two inches and then make the fucking top of it just <laughs> <Yeah>. six inches. <laughs> it <laughs> looks like a gun you'd build on an Etch-A-Sketch. Like, <laughs> yeah. if, you were des- if you were designing it, I could, yeah. that's what it is. I picture the guy that came to them with the drawing just like fucking took four <laughs> seconds to draw. I was like, here. Make that's, it. that's how they keep it so cheap is that's actually yeah. how it does. Yeah. They just buy a $13 Etch-A-Sketch and say, here, design yeah. away. My 13-year-old son draws up all the... <laughs> they have a two-axis CNC machine, and that's all they use. <laughs> <laughs> so they're called Yeet so Cannons. So they, they, went, they went to social media and was like, help us name this new, this new gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so Yeet Cannon won by a landslide. Yeah. yeah. Be- it's the internet. You never right. ask. Don't it. ask. It's like yeah. asking, you know, when they did the boat, Bodie McBoatface, when they asked for a boat <laughs> name. Yeah. Don't ask the internet this uh, stuff. You're, you're you don't get want something like that. an honest answer. Yeet so cannon. they came out and was like, ah, we're just kidding. We're not doing that. Well, HK, they're kind of in financial trouble right now because they don't listen to their customers. Yeah. They like to pursue military and, and law enforcement contracts, and that's about it. Um, their social media manager, whoever does their social media, is they're hilarious. They're, they've always been funny. They're always joking. They're always cracking like Wendy's. on. Oh, yeah. It's like Wendy's. They're always cracking on other people. And they were like, from someone who doesn't listen to their customers, High Point, you need to do this. You have to name it the Yeet Cannon. They were like, we'll even do a photo shoot with you to help promote everything. And so it's turned into this huge thing with a huge internet following. I haven't seen any of this. And there's other companies from other gun manufacturers. I mean, even like AR-15 lowers. Like there's companies that are making them that say Yeet Cannon. Like they're making uh, K&S Precisions. They're making uh, trigger pins, anti-rotation trigger pins that say it says Yeet Cannon on it. Like it's turning into this huge wild. They would be dumb not to do it. Right. They're already. There's so much pressure now. They have to at least call it the YC9. 
at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. know. Everyone's gonna know. Everyone's what it means. gonna know. What'd you, awesome. what'd you bring out to the ring? I got my yeet cannon. I can't wait to hear that somewhere. <laughs> the AR yeet teen. <laughs> yeet teen. I yeah. want to see that. It's like, what did he use? A yeet cannon. He used <gasps> it. It's going to be the new 45. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Or the media is going to swallow that and when one you, up. And when you shoot it, you got to go yeet. <laughs> <laughs> new scary. This is the new yeet cannon. This is what they're calling it now. Yeah. Hell it'll be like the new, it'll be the new ghost gun craze. The ghost gun. Yeah. I don't know that. You don't know the ghost guns? Mm-mm, I don't think so. The guns that are invisible to everyone? Because they don't have numbers? No. Yeah. Scary stuff. So they're just guns floating out there without <laughs> numbers, right? People are getting them. You the can, so you them. can buy, you can buy, well, now with 3D printing, you can build a lot of crazy shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you can buy 80% AR-15 lowers and finish them yourself on a drill press if you're a caveman but you can do it uh, but if you have any kind of uh experience with machining you could you could build your own, own i saw a, and it's legal to do so yeah I, there's no i saw a documentary where a guy i can't remember anything other than this little tidbit of it but he made a a, a single shot gun out of from a 3d printer yeah and it, i don't he was like some guy and he the was, liberator yeah, and yeah. He, he ba- I think his name's Corey Corey Wilson. Yeah, but he was like evil or something. Like there was something with that he, guy. He that was he's pushing like, the line. He was pushing the lines. I think he ended up. He's actually a good dude, but he's just pushing. Oh, the he was lines going for like of, shock value. I yeah. feel like a little bit, and he yeah. was kind of like just really pushing the line of getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So, for three D printing guns. Yeah, for parts for. Yeah. yeah, it's basically just like this. It's super simple single shot three D printed gun. Oh, wow. And I watched like I, the documentary I watched was like a year or two ago, so it's pretty fuzzy. But that's that all I remember mm-hmm. from it. But pretty cool. I mean, that is cool. I've seen like the. Have you seen the? I mean, I know this is pretty common now, but like the Glocks that fold in half, mm-hmm. and even the something cooler that I've seen recently is like the little digital gauge of telling you how much ammo is left in the. I mean, that's cool. I think that's super awesome. I mean, I mean, technology is going to be fun to watch when it comes to firearms for sure. Yeah, because it reminds me of like Halo or something. You know, where you yeah. see the the I, digital. The I think VR. it's easy to get away from for some for some people the reason that you carry a gun though. Yeah, I feel like having one that that you have to fold open to use. It's right. kind of like expecting you'll have time to put on a seatbelt before you're getting a car wreck. So you're definitely a one in the chamber no, that's, guy. That's a, really <laughs> good, that's a really good analogy. Well, I mean, it works for anything like that. It does. Yeah. I hadn't heard that with the seatbelt. That's really good. I'm weird about... I don't, even, I, don't, I don't even carry a gun with an external safety. Yeah. So I'm weird about the one in the chamber thing. Um, I mean, I, get, I totally... Whoever is for one in the chamber, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. But me personally, because of just... It just I mean, I know you're supposed to have like, you know, you're supposed to be okay with the fact that you know how to use the gun, uh-huh. but it just kind of worries me sometimes because I have a little girl sure. and just like, not that any case in or scenario where she's going to be able to get to the gun mm-hmm. or whatever, just, I don't know. It just kind of adds that certain edge to the situation, Sure. but I totally get if I were to run into a situation somewhere and something bad was happening, that's going to definitely take away from time I have to react. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that it, it, for me, it, it came down to, cause I used to be the same way. Um, mm-hmm. I used to carry, I, I specifically wanted a double action semi-automatic pistol. That way I could carry it with a hammer down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could have a double action ha- trigger pull or mm-hmm. I could manually cock it. I have a there. Colt double Eagle. Yeah which is like an older gun, but it has, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, it just came down to 
how, how much training I had, yeah. how much how much time had I really spent with that gun to be proficient with it, mm-hmm. to where I could feel safe with it. Um, and then it comes down to gear quality. What kind of holster, you know, mm-hmm. are you are you trusting yourself with, and how much have you used that holster training in and out on a range? Yeah, it, it just comes down to that. Yeah, I've always just been the kind of just the slide in the holster. I'm not sure what it's even called. Just the slides right in there, and it has just like Kydex. Has yeah, exactly, yeah. and it has just a little bit of. You know, where you can't pull it straight out, but you have to give it some tension. But I've never been, like, with the button, you know, the outside carry. I, I've never actually understood anyone that does, like, uh, open, carry. open carry. I don't understand it. You're just, to me, I think you're personally just waiting for someone to fuck with you. Like, someone's going to come up and do something to you. I, I think that's not the way to go about it. Because conceal, you you have the the upper hand, I feel like. I, The way I gauge that, or the way that I go back and forth is, it's how many it's like, how many people am I going to be around? Yeah. Am I going to be around a lot of people? I'm concealing. Yeah. If I'm going to be hunting. Oh, for sure. I'm yeah, yeah. If you're out on the farm or, exactly. or you run into a snake or yeah. something, you you want to have that right there. Mm-hmm. And, and no one's out there like, you don't have to worry about <laughs> someone fucking with yeah. you. But if yeah. you're at a gas station and your gun's sitting outside, you're on. I've seen it on people's cargo pants. Dude, I yeah. used to. Hanging in their pocket. And I'm like, you are an idiot. Yeah. I swear to God, there was a guy, a customer, when I worked at the, the Verizon store years ago. He was one of the early customers that we had. He always wore like a tank top and sweatpants, like not like like these elastic fucking belt. That's it. And he had he had a uh, he had an eagle. He had a desert eagle, and he just tucked it in. Just Mexican. And it was always just hanging down and like almost always falling out. And I was like, dude, like that is only for show. That's only yeah. that's your intent. Like you said, getting away from why you carry. Like mm-hmm. what is it? What if he has to take a shit? Where's he gonna put the gun? You pull it down to your ankle. You put your pants you down your ankle. Because uh, <laughs> I've had the problem when I've had my holster paper. on and you go to take a shit and it wants to like flip out of your what? pants. And <laughs> it's funny to talk about, but those are issues that yeah, people who carry deal, deal with. I just said it in where, you know, when you're, you pull your pants down and where your crotches of your underwear, I just set my gun right in there. I just yeah. hold it the whole time <laughs> just in case someone's trying to come in while yeah. I'm shitting. Like, I, get bang, my, bang. I get my pants below my knees and then I rebuckle my belt. Oh, nice. That's not that's a bad idea. Hold tension on my belt. Yeah, that makes knees. sense. I've done it too where I've been trying to pee, and as soon as you undo your belt or whatever, it looses everything up. Yeah. So that thing's just like hanging yeah. over there. So, yeah. But again, weird. it comes to the gear quality. you got to have a, a good carry belt is one thing yeah, a lot of people I've like. I've been looking into I See, that's what you said, like the, the evolution of a gun owner. Like yeah. That's how I feel. Like I've gone through these different, like, you know, I got the gun and then I wanted to get the good holster. And then I was like, man, this is kind of isn't working. So I need something. And then I started reading about belts and then yep. it just kind of all comes together at some point. But I don't know. I don't know how to encourage people to get more knowledge. I mean, besides just doing that, besides, hey, get more knowledge. I, I'm always, I'm very pro guns, very, I want more, I want more training. Mm-hmm. Um, but the threshold of where I feel like we are at and so many people have no clue ruled by fear of media or just the lack of, uh, or a lot of times it's fear of the gun fear. So you're I mean, so yeah, scared of the gun thing. that if and you just learn how to use it correctly, you, the, the fear goes away. Yeah. And just ego. Yeah. It's like, I don't want, I don't want to ask another guy how to use a gun. This right. is a manly thing. Yeah. I should know what I'm doing, but, but we live in the era of YouTube and you can watch a video and, I mean, as long as, I mean, you don't know who you're getting that video from though. Yeah. Obviously that could be someone There's who pitfalls with has too. their bad, you know, tendencies and they're teaching you something that's even worse than what, you know. Hickok so. 45 is who I like to watch a lot. Do, do you ever watch him? Yeah. He's got videos? good gun. Re- he shows good gun reviews. If you're I always watch like his old, old dude. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but it's just this like old guy and he's always shooting the, 
The targets? Yeah. That's Hickok. That's Hickok. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's where... Actually, but, when you said no safety... Uh, you, externally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was actually going to... Like every sign that I, in the beginning stages, pointed to Glock for me. And th- I mean, that, the only reason I didn't get that is because of my daughter and it not having a safety mm-hmm. and just worrying constantly. Worrying. I mean, I probably could have prevented any kind of... But just worrying about it constantly. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't end up getting uh, a Glock initially, so... Yep. My just my rule with any of that is if the gun's not on me personally, mm-hmm. it's securely stored. It's yeah. it's in a lockbox next to the bed. Well, the or thing with me is like, or, uh, so say I'm driving and I have it like in my uh, mm-hmm. uh, glove compartment or something. I just worry that so somehow I'm gonna forget that it's in there. I always you know lock it or whatever, but then that doesn't you don't have easy fast access to it, and then I'm worried about my daughter. Like me not thinking about it and then she wants to play in the car or like I go in the gas station or something like that and she ends up getting in the globe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of stuff I worry about. Mm-hmm. Just every little scenario where, you know, you can pick apart every little scenario mm-hmm. where something bad could happen. But I think that's where, uh, not criticizing at all, but no, the, where the discipline comes in from being a gun owner of not forgetting the gun in the box just like you wouldn't forget a, like a baby in the back seat. And I and yeah. honestly just I, from that repetition and of honestly practicing. I don't it's just a worry of that I will forget. It's like yeah. like, like knowing myself like I'm, that anxiety that I sets. have a tendency to forget stuff sometimes right. and knowing and it, myself I wonder maybe I'll one day I'll make this decision. but s- s- thus far I've been really good about it so I mean And it comes down as well to just education not only on the owner's part but for me as a parent I've got a 2-year-old and a 5-year-old mm-hmm. and as soon as I feel like they were physically old enough to potentially get into a bad situation if I wasn't monitoring it, mm-hmm. that's when I started teaching them. Oh yeah, yeah. About I've, guns. Yeah, I've had many a conversation yep. with her about it, but not so much. You know, you, you don't want to. You want to scare them away from from being around them yeah, or having. You them don't want to scare them, but you yeah. don't. You don't. You want them to have respect for it yeah, because exactly. they need to be able to recognize what it is that mm-hmm. they need to stay away from it and that they need to get a parent and why they need to stay away and from why it. yeah like it if you just tell them that's bad don't touch it that's not if bad. it's just something that they've seen in cartoons or whatever mm-hmm. else or yeah, one of my, one of my things that i don't let my i try not to let my kids play with is nerf guns like toy guns mm-hmm. if they're not old enough in my opinion for my kids if they're not old enough to understand the difference between a toy gun and a fake gun Mm-hmm. Or, or in a real gun, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want them playing with it that because makes sense. either way, it's not a toy. We're the same way. If you go to my daughter's room right now, she doesn't have any. Yep. And we and we actually learned that at a really because she had a squirt gun that she had gotten from some like festival we went to, and she brought it home and she's like, she said, "I'll kill you" or something like that, like really abrasive. And we're like, "Okay, we're done mm-hmm. with the gun. We're yep. throwing it away, and we're not buying any." Because you go to some little kid's house, and they have seventeen Nerf guns, and they're walking around like, yeah, and like you know play playing and that's what i did when i was a kid honestly and, and just the trigger motion is universal whether it's yeah. lethal or non-lethal you know that's yeah. that's what you're basically teaching them how to use a real gun by giving them yeah. a fake gun yeah 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 and i guess the old, I, it makes perfect sense and i don't have any kids so as far as what do i actively do i have no argument because i don't have that practice but considering that philosophy I suppose in the right context, which is probably not what usually happens, it could be taught to discipline using a Nerf gun or or sure. an AR or a, uh, airsoft. That's what I was thinking. Um, but I I totally understand why you wouldn't too. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The I don't understand how to penetrate through that fear other than like a calm 
offering. Uh, have you ever like had a conversation or known somebody who is hyper anti-guns for this reason or that reason who you could encourage or reach out to and was like, hey, come shoot with me. I'll teach oh, you yeah. discipline. How has that turned out? Oh, yeah. Um, every time that I've actually had somebody have an issue with guns or mm-hmm. training, it might just be somebody willing, just they're broken down, they're willing to learn. Yeah. Um, maybe they've even been around guns their whole life. If I can just get them to come out, I've got my own personal range at my house. If I can just get them to come out and spend an hour with me, we'll dispel all of the misnomers that they have about it. And if anything, they leave, you know, more comfortable having actual experience. I think that's so great. Well, being around people in general that are open-minded enough to challenge their thought process enough to try something, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm going to try this. No, even though I, everything I know goes against this, like you should be around people that are going to want to do that anyways. And because you have closed minded people that like, no matter what you say, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get them into that situation because they're so closed minded and against it. And they're, I think this way and you can't change my mind, Yeah, but it's good to, to surround yourself with people that are willing to, I think this way, I like the whole, the, the classic meme of the guy with the, the thing on Crowder that it just says something and it says, change my mind. I am that person. Literally. Like I believe a lot of things that, you know, other people don't believe, but if you feel like you can change my mind about it, please, I'll have a conversation with you about how to change, you know, my thought process on something. And and it's happened before. There's Mm -hmm. been many situations where I've sat down and talked and maybe not right then and there when we were having the conversation, but it got me thinking about it. Sure. And it got me to go do some research and it got me to have, you know, some conversations with myself about that situation and eventually come to maybe not the same conclusion that they're at, but like, a you know, I'm in a different place than I was about yeah. something. I think that would be a cool service to see. I mean, you do it personally, but uh, uh, I don't know, not even a non-for-profit, some sort of organization who would be like, hey, come here, we'll demonstrate, we'll show you. Are there any of those that I'm I just sure don't know I'm sure there is. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there is. I didn't I, know if you knew of I any couldn't cite any right offhand, I guess, that I would know about. It's, I, don't, I don't know how to get that because I, I think I think protecting yourself and having uh, the there's There's a lot of, it. I would say there's a lot of like... Uh, firearms training schools yeah. out there. There's a lot of that professional firearms training. Um, there's actually one in Muncie, MTAC in Muncie. I go up there for a lot of training too. I haven't been there. Um, they offer classes even down to women's only. That's really cool. A lot of times it's a little intimidating for women. To I think learn. VRA does that. Yeah. A women's only class. Yeah. VRA does a lot too. Yep. Which is really cool. Mm-hmm. That's where first episode, that's where we had just come from. Mm-hmm. And we took mm-hmm. Calvin and went and shot their VRA. Um, I had a really good conversation. I, I just got back from Colorado, um, went out there, and one of the one of the friends I was riding with, we got to talking about uh, politics and then firearms, and then we had a really good talk. She was very, um, she was against the idea of people having firearms. Sure, that was her perspective, and we had a really good non egotistical. It was like a, a back and forth, a conversation, not a debate. And by the end of it, we arrived at a. We were like, wow, you know. Maybe maybe people do have firearms, but I think people knew, need more training with them. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good conversation. And those are the people I'd like to go out and shoot with and show them and, and know what I know. And I, I'm no expert. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I need more. I want more training for myself. And, and, not, and not only for civilian carry, but also professional. Absolutely. Law enforcement. It's kind of not talked about a whole lot, but law enforcement, they get firearms training. Yeah. 
But a lot of places, especially if it's not a big city or a big department, a lot of places they don't get extra firearms training unless they take a personal interest and a lot of times have to pay for it out of their own pocket. Yeah, which is And I feel like issues tough. that we see across the country um, with, with handling firearms and, vi- and gun violence. And I, not just ha- uh, police officers handling guns, but the way that they defend themselves. Yeah. is always like they're not given enough training because yeah. you're just give constantly them, give seeing them jiu-jitsu. Him. Yeah. Yeah. You're constantly. Yeah. Seeing, uh, Renner, Henner, Gracie, he yeah. offers like if he finds a video of a cop getting their ass beat pretty much, he'll, he'll break it down and show the techniques if and, they he'll, knew. and he'll call them and try to get a hold of them yeah. and have them come out and give them free classes on how to like, but you're constantly seeing cops just getting straight their ass beat Yeah, because they don't, aren't given enough, um, information on how to defend themselves mm-hmm. and that's goes along hand in hand with uh how to use the, their weapons as well mm-hmm. i think um we're living in kind of like a weird i have so many different feelings about the whole the guns in america and school shootings and all these shootings that are happening and all this crazy stuff it's like there's there's no like one answer you know it's kind of like a big like i know because for every situation you're like I could, you have your you know your firearms at home you have who's carrying who's allowed to get them who's you know all these different things all these different little small like you know gray areas of where all this is kind of heading and th- I don't feel like there's one real just solid answer on whether we sh- th- I don't think it comes down as easy as no guns or guns yeah it's mm-hmm. not that it's something in between that kind of finds its way into being like you know making it harder for people with mental problems to get guns, which I know that that's already a thing that they're trying to do. And then, yeah. And that was one of the conversation points that we had about background checks. Yeah. And it's like, well, they exist. I mean, there's been, you have background checks to purchase a firearm. You go through a background check, but there's been videos that show how easy it is for someone to get a gun. Anyone private because private sales aren't aren't controlled. So, right. Which how, how could you, yeah, how could you control private sale? Uh, I mean, with anything? that comes down, in my opinion, just due diligence. If yeah. if you're a private party selling a gun to another private party, I feel like it's your duty to make sure that that person's not a felon. Because if if they are, you're yeah. you're committing a felony. But that's like saying that. yeah, that's absolutely. like saying as a doctor, that's your duty to make sure people you're taking care of correctly. But do all doctors do that? And yeah. you know, I'm saying it's like one of those things where. That's a moral thing yeah. from individual yeah. to individual. Yeah. And there's no way that, that in any circumstance that that guy's, there's not going to be some guy out there that's just like, I don't give a fuck who I sell guns to. I just right. want to sell guns. And then the al- the alternative to that, though, you know, is to come up with a national registry, yep. a national database. You know, I know it sounds great that yeah. we can do that. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to raise the barrier for entries because it's going to add cost to buying a gun. And then the scare is going to be that, after they have a list of where all the guns are, they have everything they need to know when they decide they want to confiscate them. Yeah. Which I truly, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think there are a lot of politicians and I'm not saying everyone, but I think there are a lot of politicians who do want to confiscate. Absolutely. Get rid of all guns. They openly talk about it on Twitter every day. Not a a make it harder for you to get. You can't get them. I really believe that. Well, that's just uh, to capitalize on the government's power. Like, I mean, that's just taken away from... You take away the guns from us, that mm-hmm. just gives them more power and able to, you know, do we we're gonna do what they want easier. Yeah. But I just feel like with the um like people that are getting guns, it just seems like it's super easy for just about any like how many phrases do you hear that are just like you hear them all the time? Like if you take away like 
if you take away all the guns, people are gonna. It's gonna be like the bad guys are gonna get guns yeah. regardless. How many times yeah. have you heard that? I mean, all and the that time. and that just. Ha- I mean, that's. I think that's true. I mean, I think genuinely, bad guys are just same with drugs. You outlaw drugs, people are still gonna have drugs. Yeah, I mean, you're just basically taking away guns from people that are gonna follow the rules, and do the right thing, and then give guns or keep. You can even relate it to the abortion issue going on. If yeah. you outlaw, if you outlaw abortions, people are still going to get it done. It's just yeah. going to be a lot, a lot, a lot more unsafe. Yeah. 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 yeah, and people are going to die from. All, yeah, I mean, but that's a connection not a lot of people like to make because normally that's two the, opposite ends. Two opposite ends completely. Yeah. Usually, mm-hmm. the people who are yep. you know pro-abortion or anti-guns and vice versa. Yeah. It's funny it's how like the argument works both ways. It yeah. really does. Yeah, and it's it, funny how people pretend that like there's people actually out there that pretend just like. If we get rid of, if we take guns from everybody, we won't have a gun problem anymore. That that's the dumbest thing I've ever <laughs> heard. You're not get, you're not solving a problem. You yeah. you you're not seeing all the other things that go along with that. It's treating the it's treating a symptom, not not the disease. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not, no one thing is that simple. You can't take you can't fix the the amount of shootings and all this bad shit that's happening by doing one yeah. s- one solid simple thing. That's not going to work that way. It's why I always make the joke to that argument. Uh, you know what? You're right. We should just make crime illegal. <laughs> Yeah, like we should just ban that's, all crime. To me, yeah. in my it's head, like that's the same idea. How does that sound work. so stupid? But yeah. the other one doesn't. To exactly. some people, like right. if you were to say that to that same person, they would be like, "What? That's stupid." Yeah. But then if you say, "Get rid of all guns," they're like, "Oh, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard." Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, like, I think I think because a lot of it works in idealism. I think it's it's well. Here's what I would imagine as a perfect world, and that could happen if only we do this one thing that I thought about after reading Twitter for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. A lot, I think a lot of it is is kind of uh, I don't know if I, I don't know how I would explain it. I would say it it's kind of comes from a position of privilege. Yeah. Um. It, luckily, not everybody has needed a gun in their life. Right. You know, but when they do, they're gonna wish they had one. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but they're gonna wish they had the training to know how to use it. I mean, how many stories have you heard about? Like I just heard about that the guy. I think it was in Florida. Where he went and shot up the play, where he got fired and then went back in there and shot yeah. a bunch of people in the court or like the some kind of um, government job that he had. Yeah. Well, I heard a story on the radio. There was a lady that was talking to her husband about she was thinking about taking a gun in her purse to work even though she wasn't allowed to, and then she was one of the people that got killed. Yeah. And like it's stuff like that where yeah. you know what I mean. Well, that's one of the numbers talked, and I know you and I have had Facebook discussions, Kate, about that uh, about. I think it might have been one of one of the school shootings. So to that point, I'm going to side myself there. I'm not making fun of people who are fearful of the stuff and and the things that are going on. Like that is scary. And they're what is being done. I don't know. So I'm not making fun of that fear, but I'm also criticizing it because I don't think it's completely deserved. We talked about that. uh, The figures of not often mentioned. How many lives are saved because of guns? Sure. That's that's a huge number, huge statistic that doesn't get referenced. It's just this is how many people died from guns. Yeah. And it's like, well, how many people saved their lives because they were protected? They did have training. Mm-hmm. They could defend themselves. And after you after you sort through the number of lives lost, right, to suicide rates, which uh, is a, to the biggest par- portion, right? Yeah, so like something like sixty percent or more, and then it's murder, and then it's murder, and then it's like something justified police action shootings, and then like accidents, accidents. Well, those yeah. are like the big ones. It, yeah. it really it dwarfs that number itself, and then you get in and add on top of that how many lives guns are sa- saved every right. year, and in just this country alone, it it dwarfs it even further. Which just this country alone yeah. is a huge qualifier. 
because so many of the other countries that we talk about, uh, the UK, Australia, et cetera, they have different different degrees to what they understand or report mass murders as. Mm-hmm. It's like how many people were injured. That's a that's mm-hmm. a mass shooting. Uh, so it might be three, it might be four. So mm-hmm. the qualifications aren't equal across the board. There's no central numbers. So the misinformation is out there constantly. Can yeah. you can you guys also think of anything that's not being done that like if you were given power right now that you would automatically begin to do because it makes sense in your head? Like, is there anything? Because, you know, like, like I said, it's not one thing that needs to be done. It's mm-hmm. several things. So is there a list or do you have any like ideas of a few things that you would like, why aren't they doing this or right off the bat? Like, it seems like to me, one of those kind of things that I think of is like, it might be expensive and this yeah. might be, this might be why it's not being done, but like upping the amount of security at schools and stuff like, you know, doing stuff like that. Like I guarantee you that has a lot to do with money because, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of thing, but it doesn't seem like that's being, you the, know, or making it harder to get in and out of going. school, like, uh, you know, metal detectors and things like that. And that, that might've already been discussed and thrown out for a certain reason. And there might already be schools that are doing that kind of stuff. But I feel like there's a lot of small things that you could maybe not fix the entire problem with, but definitely put some holes, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've thought about, which it kind of crosses a line of my own opinion and I'm, it's very new and I'm not quite sure how to deal with this. I've been playing and thinking about some more authoritarian, uh, like principles. I've never been somebody to go, well, this is how the state should do this. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that I've started thinking some of those things. One would be, um, Oh no. Don't lose it after explaining it. Uh, <laughs> I love that you it. said you had that like, <laughs> I just had like internal a, a thought, but out yeah. Oh, what was it? Oh yeah. Mandatory military service. Israel does that model. They do mm-hmm. two year service. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to be in the military to some degree. So you have your basic courses and then you go your different routes. You might have office, you might have patrol, you might, etc. I like that idea. And that's where I'm kind of conflicted on liking that idea inherently. Cause I'm like, Well, that's not really constitutional, but I'm saying it to defend a constitutional right. Mm -hmm. So it's like if everybody has military service, if everyone knows the truth and actually handles firearms and is part of the system and everyone is in the same class at that point. Because with that military uh, service, you'll be taught how to use a gun. Right. You'll get a better understanding of how guns work. Yeah. And then you're already way ahead of the game in terms of like not being afraid of guns and understanding what they're actually capable of. You know, it's a of. tool and it is. Yeah. And I, I have no argument against it is a tool of killing, but killing inherently, I don't believe is wrong. It's contextual. If you kill somebody who is trying to kill your family, it's justified. Yeah. So everything is that ethical. You have to explore the context and the intention. So with that, I think maybe it'd be justified mm-hmm. to force military service at least a year. That falls along everybody. the lines of what I think, you know, we're not, we need to think outside of the box in terms of like, we've tried all this other shit that right. seems like the cure all surefire. Way. But it's, I mean, this is kind of outside of what we're talking about, but you know, I don't know if it was like Switzerland, they made heroin legal yeah. and then they were giving it to people, mm-hmm. you know, in a secure and then all their fucking overdoses and all their heroin problems went away yeah. and no one would have thought that doing that would have that kind of reaction and, and maybe that needs to be the the case in this is like something outside of the box some kind of thing like 
you know, instead of just like, I don't like, I don't know what to do. Like just try some off the wall shit that, I mean, that sounds very like, (laughs) just start trying stuff. Just start shooting in the dark. (laughs) But I'm saying through like, from the hip here, but, but but through like, um, construction of an idea and like people coming together and trying to think outside of the box and coming up with plans other than obviously what we're doing isn't working. So let's think of some shit. Yeah, that maybe you, you have to throw ideas around and flesh them out and exactly. see how they work. Yeah, yeah. and like, see what's that going to hurt? What's that yeah. going to hurt? I mean, that's the same thing with when it comes to Donald Trump. I mean, just the presidency and all that stuff. We spent so many years with the well, a Democrat in office, and you know that didn't work. It just didn't work, and I think that's why a lot of people voted the way, the opposite way that they did because they were well. I mean, can't hurt. It can't be any different than it has been. This last election had a lot of generational divide, a lot of information yeah. divide, and uh, hyper polarized on a lot of different issues. Guns being and one still of them. growing, and, and yet still rapidly growing. Yeah. Whereas just owning the other side, we mm-hmm. own the libs, we own the Republicans. It's mm-hmm. like, well, that that's not going to get us anywhere else. If you if did you have anything though? If you, did you have any? I, I, no, I think that's I, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of good that can be done. You could also you could modify that and include um, immigration dreamers. Yeah, if they want to serve the country, let them be citizens. Right. I think that's a great idea. It. it, it um, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's yeah. kind of a catch-all to the that point. the the next thing. The I guess a a drawback might be uh, forcing forcing somebody to fight a war that they don't yeah, believe in. Absolutely. Um, I think if there were an option to remain stateside or if if they weren't physically in the fight. You know, I mean, this sound, there might be something there. Yeah, with that this sounds kind of shitty, but like, I mean, freedom has its price. It sounds kind of bad. Like, yeah. I mean, if you want to come live in a country where you want to have the things that we have and be free, I mean, everyone should have a right to to be. I feel like live the way that we do, but I mean, I don't think that's the worst idea in terms of like you paid a price to get here. Sure. Um, the uh, the all the alternative is you not coming here and living in, you know, being in another war somewhere else that w- things are probably fucking way worse where you're coming from or yeah. you wouldn't be coming here in the first place. So you're already probably fighting a war that you want nothing to do with. Yeah. If you're in one of those countries. So you're coming over here, you're in, and you're not necessarily even fighting a war because and, no one, a lot of people that are in the military right now aren't fighting a war We're, they're not over there. There's very few actual people over there yeah. doing that stuff. And Unless I mean, Iran shit drops. Yeah. Yeah. But there's Scary. there's just a lot of people that I mean I have plenty of military friends that haven't gone any, they so haven't even left the United directly. States. So. And personally, when it comes to like leaders, I I don't have any military service, but I prefer our nation's leaders to have military service yeah. under their belts because in I my only, opinion that would that you know the one thing that they need to have if they were going to be they have to have been on the apprentice. <laughs> It's That's like we live in a world where the fucking one year president military was service, <laughs> one year apprentice. Yeah. You can do backstage work. You can I'm actually camera, I'm, a, I'm voting Omarosa for. N- oh for man, but it's kind of it's kind of one of them things. Like I'm not a huge Tulsi Gabbard fan. I don't yeah. know how much you guys are following. You I've know, seen what's going I've seen on. Some of the stuff recent. Gonna be but honest. I like that is. I like her idea that uh, because she was in the military, she's less apt to be a warmonger. She's right. less apt to send her family and friends into a war that might not benefit everybody. right well that makes sense if you if you're the one sending people to war you need to understand war exactly and, and i think if everybody has served if everybody has yeah. somewhat experience with that we as a country yeah we would be less up to 
get into conflicts. My other thought to that whole everybody serving is kind of a separation of class warfare as well, because I hear a lot. I've, I have several veteran friends. I have no military service myself, mm-hmm. totally civilian. And we've had conversations about how military post military tend to look at the world as we served and you are all civilians. Yeah. And it's this separation of like superiority. And I'm not saying don't celebrate vets or Veterans Day or anything like that. But if everyone was a veteran, then that wouldn't exist. That separation wouldn't exist and you would have a more unified a really, people. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely think that there is a separation of people that who have, you know, been and seen some shit yeah. and then come back and felt like that they can't ever be the same or be able to have a you know a relationship with someone yeah. because of what they've been through and that that person will never understood and then the only time that they felt understood is when they were in the military with and with the those people with the sectors and then they may go to police and then the mm. police force may not have the total um, yeah you know, I mean they may go do anything firearm and, training and not have, we're all back to the same and so yeah. now there's the separation again and mm-hmm. that's it it's just this is such a huge conversation and like I just keep coming back to there's not any one just got to no. be. Uh, a bunch of strategically planned decisions that are gonna, you know, put us in the right direction. I feel like, and we're just, I feel like we're doing a lot of not of the right stuff right now. You yeah. know what I mean, like, I think it would be interesting for us, Shane, to at some point have, um, maybe even Cade, if you'd be willing to come back and have a conversation like that, somebody who is, uh, aware and intelligent on like an anti gun or the politics of it and have mm-hmm. a conversation with us all together and, and not a not in a debate format i i wouldn't particularly be interested in but retouching this conversation again with mm-hmm. some other counterpoints so that there's some yeah. of that back and forth and, and more mm-hmm. development to, to maybe like we said throw ideas out there and see what happens mm-hmm. maybe we can find consensus maybe we can go oh hey that would be a good idea and then i don't know i agree i think that'd be cool i also say that we're looking at 140 right now <laughs> We've been, we did that thing that we said we weren't going to do. No, I love that though. And I know, <laughs> I know our been, audience, you guys have been gone a week. So yeah, yeah we're, we're making, we're catching up, for it. making <laughs> up for it. I've had and some people say that, that we've gone too long. Some that yeah. say they don't, well, that's just going to happen. But we also opinions, but made it clear in the beginning that we're going to do whatever we want anyways. Other, you know, regardless yeah. of what people, if you think this is too long, turn it off when you think <laughs> it's, go, go <laughs> listen to Bob Lazar. On you know that one. Okay. Listen to this. And then the moment when you decide this is too yeah. long, turn it off what <laughs> problem yeah. solved like what, what i like is that i don't want to ever interrupt that conversation yeah. if it's happening yeah and that's so how it comes is how it right. comes and then we can touch and i, on it and I do want to say uh, it's completely my fault that we did not have an episode last week um this man was on vacation <laughs> and he held up his end of the bargain when i was on vacation and i did not return the favor i will say that there was some uh, hurdles in my way you know it being father's day i'm a father um there also was people that I asked to come on the show and they were busy because it was father's yeah. day and you had like school and work the rest of the weeks for recording. Days yeah. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have got off work until like nine o'clock at night. Um, and w- like I said, I feel bad about letting, like I, I want to be consistent. I want to make sure that we're doing this thing every week. And me and Jacob made a promise to each other from here on out. We're not going to be doing stuff like that. Cause it just looks shitty. It doesn't, it doesn't look like we're running the show the, the right. way we need to be. 
And I just want to, you know, apologize to our listeners and say that I will totally take the blame for that and it won't happen again. And I can assure you, um, before we started recording, he whipped himself 38 <laughs> times, I think it was, cat of nine 40 tails. lashes. Yeah, he gave himself the lashes, so yeah. all's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're moving forward. <laughs> but I've had a really fun time talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, Cade, this is your time. Plug anything you got. Social media farm anything mm-hmm. that you want as far as to to talk about yeah so um if you want you can add me on facebook uh cade coger um it's also cade coger for uh twitter and snapchat if you want to if you do that kind of thing uh instagram the armed farmer love that name by the way it's uh, so great yeah i like it and um you know lnk farms is my farm in newcastle indiana um if you if you're around newcastle and you're looking for produce or beef we also sell our own beef now yeah, he just brought us some. Um, um, what's so I, I, I so I brought you guys my venison summer sausage. That's awesome. So last fall I went hunting, and uh, I killed three deer last fall and uh, four four actually, and uh, I ended up taking my the biggest buck I've ever killed in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of the things I like about hunting. Yeah. And I was trying, I tried to be a little conscious of it because I didn't, I'd never met you yeah, before. Which was super yeah. cool. Well, and I even, when you were actually out moving the truck, I said to him, well, he told me that you were conscious of like, is it okay that I, I was like, man, that's really fucking cool of him to ask that, even yeah. though I'm yeah. like, totally like. Well, it's just one of the things you, you run into and being a farmer and especially animal agriculture, mm-hmm. people are fast to hate on that. Yeah. Because Absolutely. of things yeah. that they don't understand. I just thought it was really cool of you to ask. But as a hunter, I faced that too. And I just yeah. kind of want to my favorite gifts to give people is yeah. meat that oh, I've I'm procured. Eat the shit out of that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just sharing that experience with Absolutely. my friends. So, yep. Well, we really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, I, I co-host on the boss hog Liberty podcast. Yeah. Too. We, that's we, where I got my initial, yeah. that's the first time I ever saw you on there. Oh yeah. Drinking some good beer. Yeah. 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 So I, I do that, you know, hopefully once a month or so and just kind of step in and especially when they need a, farmers ideas on things yeah shout that's out really cool. shout out to them too i think at some point where we i think you've talked to maybe yeah, a little bit about to, to oh yeah yeah we'll have to it. do some crossovers with yeah, everybody doing some stuff with them i've actually done a podcast with them when i was on the juices show yeah um so i've actually talked to those guys but yeah it'd be good to sit down with them again and have you know mm-hmm. and definitely 100 percent you're gonna have to come back and oh sure yeah. continue the same conversation and, and add yeah with some other stuff too, yeah so. we've been doing really well or they've been doing really well with that podcast and watching it grow and like they're in their own building now yeah. and that's it's, super it's, cool. It's yeah. really cool. And it, it started just like this. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if it's something you guys really enjoy and really like, it might be something yeah. you guys I didn't get actually realize how much I enjoyed it yeah. until, because, you know, I started doing it on the other show just as a co-host and kind of helping out. And then, you know, I didn't do it anymore. And then within weeks, I could just feel the feeling <laughs> of like, man, I, why am I not doing this? Yeah. So then I basically sent out the uh, the Avengers Mm-hmm. The symbol. <laughs> and I enjoy podcasters as a whole. I mean, my whole day, you know, when I'm at work or farming mm-hmm. or whatever, I've always got my earphones on. I'm the same way. I don't even... I'm listening to podcasts same, all day long. Same. I'm, I don't even listen to um, music anymore, hardly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about... Like you said, you listen to the murder podcasts. Yep. Um, I'm all about those. And I want... You know, uh, those, are, those are super duper interesting. I don't know if... For people out there that if you've gotten into those, if you like the ID channel or something like that, or I mean listening to a story of how fucking evil people can be yeah. can really yeah. get yeah, the scary. get the juices flowing. Makes you want to go out and get a firearm license and start carrying <laughs> It does too, dude. Train I mean, jiu-jitsu. Dude, it makes me like, it makes me so protective, especially yeah. of like, I've listened to some really messed up ones with kids yeah. and it makes me like, 
I, I think it helps me not lose complacency. Like I, I feel like I'm better for listening to him, even though a part of me has like a little pleasure of listening to this fucked up stuff, which I, at first I didn't want to admit like yeah. that. I would like enjoyed it. I think we've touched on yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually I'm like, I see all these other people that are obsessed with these murder shit. And I'm like, fuck it, dude. I think this shit's <laughs> awesome. You know what? It's murder's great. <laughs> as long as you're not doing the murdering, you're, you're good. Unless it's animals. And then, well, that's game, how, right? that's how all the, <laughs> depending on how you're murdering them, because yeah. so, some of these murderers that are on these things, that's how they got their stuff. Yeah, small little animals. Yeah. Like snapping rash. dogs necks in their garage and weird shit like that. So yeah, no thanks. Thank yeah. you, Cade. Yep. Thanks we for having me guys. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Um, we'll absolutely do that again. So that's our show, uh, in the show material. I think next week's guest, Bob Ross coming Sweet. in. So we'll just be real chill. happy trees. Yeah. I uh, can't remember Prussian blue I think is what it's called The blue he uses We're gonna First question is gonna be How did you get your hair like that You are a white man Yeah Yep He's a great guy We'll talk to him About his military experience too And see if he wants to run the country uh, Merchandise is available We got it available on Teespring.com Slash Thunderwolf Pod That's Thunderwolf P-O-D Buy yourselves a t-shirt uh, mm-hmm. A tapestry Some throw pillows um, What else do we got We got towels Get them for the summer. Yoga pants is my favorite thing to say. <laughs> yeah, the yoga pants. We haven't white, sold any of those ones yet. Yeah, don't. Uh, there's they got some white ones that are pretty pretty legit. Yeah, yeah. So once you buy that stuff, we need you to send uh, onto our Facebook, post all your material, <laughs> yeah. you in your shirts. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to talk to Calvin and Paige about that. Get their pictures. Well, Paige doesn't have hers yet. I left it here in Indiana. Sorry, I'll send oh. that over. Uh, we also want to say thanks to Magic Squirrel Network. Magic Squirrel is an independent network for gamers and podcasters. Each month with Magic Squirrel, we feature one of the shows on the network. And this month's is... Juice. Juice, Juice in the Morning with Johnny Bouton. Um, pound for Pound, the best podcast besides ours. Around. Um, yeah. Justin Kelly. Yeah. He's so on there. He's Juice. Yeah. And if you, Juice. if you guys are interested in any kind of... They got a little... Um, what do you want to call it? Like a, a bet going on of sorts? I don't know. Like a. I'd seen a couple of things about that, about their fitness, right? Yeah, they're trash talking to each other. I think they're going to sprint or run against each other. Um, oh, that'd be great to see. Johnny's eating Danishes <laughs> in the video. <laughs> He's like, really taking it seriously. <laughs> Johnny's like, you do whatever you want, man. I'm just here eating a Danish. And then fucking. Uh, Juice is posting videos of him like working out with a personal trainer. <laughs> I don't think he's doing it for that. He was already doing it, but he's kind of like showing, you know, his road to, you know, <laughs> whatever the fuck they're doing. So they're going to sprint against each other. So those videos have actually been pretty funny. You'll find those on Facebook. And uh, the, after our little outro, there will be like a little um, uh, plug for them. Yeah, plug yeah, for them. Commercial. And you guys can go check them out and... Real yeah. fun. We've gone on their show a couple times. They've been here. Mm-hmm. So good guys. Good guys. And uh, time's up. Goodbye.
Greetings, Earthlings. Juice in the Morning here. We are Unpredictable Talk Radio for Indianapolis. If you want to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at Juice in the AM. Our Twitter is at Juice in the AM. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Juice in the Morning. If you want to follow us personally, where can we find you, Johnny? If you're on Twitter, you can follow me at JB underscore Juice in the AM. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, it's Jonathan D. Bouton. If you can't spell my last name, that's your own fault. And since I am the Juice himself, you can follow me at Juice85OR7 on all social media. Once again, you can find us on podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Google Play, and you can stream us on Spotify. Time to blast off, and we'll see you in space, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Juice in the morning.